good news, everyone. Talking Futurama is coming back for Talking Futurama Season 2, Part 2. Fresher than a summer ham, this podcast comes every Friday. And if you sign up at the $5 level at patreon.com slash talking simpsons, you can hear each episode as it goes live. That's right. Sign up today at patreon.com slash talking simpsons for $5 to hear Talking Futurama every Friday throughout the rest of 2020 and also all the previous episodes we've done so far. So head over to patreon.com slash talking simpsons now or we're going to clamp you. Shut up and take my money. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons recorded live on 4th Street and D. I'm your host, the gangly gentleman Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons. Who else is here with me today as always? Why, it's Henry Gilbert, and this podcast gives me the duty to make a complete ass of myself. And who is our special guest on the line? It's me, Michael Carlson. And today's episode is Dancing Homer. Hey Dad, look! You're on Jumbo Vision! Whoa! Hey everybody! How you doing? Look at me! I'm Homer Simpson! <laughs> Today's episode aired on November 8th, 1990, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. <gasps> oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby! Chris Isaacs released his song Wicked Games. Mega Man 3 is released mm. on the Nintendo Entertainment System, and in theaters this week, Jacob's Ladder and Child's Play 2. Big, uh, not the biggest week in movie theater. Just in time for after Halloween is Child's Play 2. I know, right? What the hell? Uh, yeah, it's it's two weeks after, no, like eight days after Halloween, they put out Child's Play 2 into theaters. I, I never watched any of the Child's Play films like unedited. I only saw them on TV because the VH VHS boxes scared me oh, too much as a kid. We're on the same page. Like the the boxes themselves gave me enough nightmares and uh, <laughs> fear that just the idea of watching one was uh, unthinkable to me as a child. Oh yeah, no, I, I just said this on on our podcast. I would think like Gremlins. I didn't watch Gremlins as a kid. I didn't watch Child's Play. I thought these were like snuff films. I thought these were just. <laughs> Like real life footage of people being murdered. That's what I imagined. The, it was boxes of like monkey shines was another yeah. VHS box at the blockbuster that terrified me. Yeah, you mentioned Gremlins 2. I, I remember like I had the choice to either see Gremlins 2 or Dick Tracy. And I was like, you know what? If I see Gremlins 2, I'm going to have nightmares. So <laughs> I'm going to go with Dick Tracy. No nightmares after that viewing. Yeah, a sexual awakening for seeing <laughs> Madonna in that film. Yes, <laughs> I came home with a new love for Breathless Mahoney. <laughs> uh, I was Look, I was freaked out by Dick Tracy too with the villains and the McDonald's. Uh, tie-in. Oh, right. <laughs> right. Mega Man 3, that's a quite a good video game. It's uh, I know there's some discussion like what's the best original one, 3 or 2. I, I personally like 2 more. Still, oh, really? But, yeah. I was going to say it's got to be 3, but I, I just think it's down to personal taste. Mm. Hmm. I had 2. I don't think I had 3. I have played it, though. I've had I've played those compilations. I'm trying to remember. What Do you remember the... What was the difference in villains in two and three? Well, three has uh, still has Wily, but three also has a Proto Man. Yeah, it's the big Proto Man one with his. Right. I mean, when he appears and the like little whistle sound comes on, definitely there's there's more presentationally to it, and I think they you they clearly had like a bigger budget and better graphics and everything. There's something about the Mega Man two level design and the uh, villains like Metal Man does 
drawing while he's in Woodman. Yeah. I just love their looks so much. They're so cool. Oh, yeah, Woodman. Oh, I love Woodman. <laughs> three, has, three has, like, Top Man, which is mm-hmm. kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. Running My out of ideas. My friend had three, now that I think about it. <laughs> I also just love the simplicity in Mega Man 2 for me as a child. I got the buzz saws. I got to face the guy who's a block of wood. Like, clearly, that's where mm-hmm. I need to take my buzz saws to. Uh, yeah, that Chris Isaac, Wicked Games. I, I just remember Chris Isaac was like, he was in movies a bit. And yeah. It felt like they were trying to make him a thing. I, th- yeah. I mean, we mentioned Madonna earlier. I think he was trying to out horny Madonna with that music yeah, video. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> it was a real horny arms race on uh, cable television. Yeah, I would look. He made me uncomfortable too, just like the horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, our joining us today is uh, Mike Carlson of Podcast The Ride. Thanks for coming back, Mike. Hey, thanks for having me. And I will say, uh, your podcast is great. We're big fans. Yeah. But uh, as of this recording, I just listened to the last Patreon one, which is about Barney, and you said a very profound thing that whether you like Barney or hate Barney, that will determine what kind of millennial you are, an older <laughs> millennial or a younger millennial, because that is the dividing line. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think um, I don't want to. I don't want to take credit. I think maybe Jason Sheridan actually oh. was the one who said that. Um, I just, I just, yeah. But he's right, and I agree with it because it was like there is like a really pivotal like six months or something that divides what everyone's take on Barney was. Because I was an, I'm an old. What when is millennials cut off? Like eighty one is the fir- like... first millennial, I think, to ninety six, okay. I think, something like I think. that. Such that's too big, isn't it, for a whole generation? It should be smaller, I think. Yeah, so I'm I'm 84, so I'm on the older end of the millennials. And my sister, of course, was is three years younger, and she was she liked Barney sincerely, but also liked making fun of him with me. So she might have been right in the middle. She's 87. Ah, hmm. uh, see, yeah, I have uh, I have that kind of divide too with being the older brother. My younger brother, three years younger than me, but he was 85. He was at the tail end of going like, I guess I like Barney, but then by he. He liked video Barney. Like he, we could oh. rent the videos, <laughs> but nah, but once Barney ascended to a regular show, I think a couple of years later, my brother was not so into Barney then. Yeah, uh, I really think it comes down to the concept is still kind of attractive of like a giant suit character, a giant dinosaur character with other dinosaurs. But you can tell we we had better kids entertainment. Everyone knew whether you could articulate it or not, that this was not a sophisticated show. This was a dumb, stupid show mm-hmm. that really wasn't giving you... We just Like, you just watched Sesame Street. Like, you can tell yeah. that's better than Barney. So, you like, if, if at a certain point as a kid, I'm sure you would be like, I don't like this <laughs> yeah. uh, as much as the better stuff. Not to get too far into Barney, but something you said about the show really, uh, like, surprised me and making me recontextualize the show where there's, like, a tragic element of the Barney show in which it is about a, like, paternal figure praising children. So it feels like like wish fulfillment for, like, latchkey kids or for kids with, like, just too busy or emotionally detached parents. Like, what if a dinosaur said, I was special? Mm -hmm. I think I'll watch this program. Yes, that's, yes. Uh, It is interesting to think about it in that context because... It does feel like kids that went to daycare, hey, wouldn't it have been better if a giant dinosaur was here instead of like a burned out lady <laughs> who was like upset because it's just a tough job to manage children? I think what I said, because I, I, I would I've been doing a bit where I would be like, oh, that's a great macaroni painting, Michael. <laughs> like that's the whole show is just him praising kids for like an art project they did. And uh yeah, and I just that was an excuse to of course do the voice, which I've been doing for like thirty years <laughs> or like twenty five years. I 
Uh, I, I think another yeah. thing for me as a kid that pushed Barney away was, you know, within two, within a year of it coming, it getting big, Animaniacs did like a very long, like a full episode mocking Barney. Simpsons made fun of Barney to the like, critic, the critic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just that it was. And I, I think I, I knew that the, the things I respected were making fun of it as just empty. So I, I like that. And then I think uh, a couple years into it, I even saw the people who work on Sesame Street were saying, "Don't, don't watch Barney. It's bad." Like, is this? I believe it was in the documentary of the the man who played Big Bird that he, Carol Spiney, he was saying, "Don't and don't watch Barney." Uh-huh. Like, there's a clip of him saying that in there. In the end, two plus two really was four. He was right. <laughs> uh, but Mike, were you were you there on November eighth, nineteen ninety four? This episode. What was it? Yeah, November eighth. Yeah, I'm sure I like we were from Simpsons. We were all in. We saw, I think, maybe a rerun of the first Christmas special. And then we watched every week. We mm. were I was like we were like day like week three watchers or something wow. of the show. That's so, cool. yeah, for sure. I it's it's always nice when to hear people like us who had parents that were cool with the watching of simpsons and encouraged it instead of our we we have two types of guests who watched it back in the 90s if you saw it in the 90s it, with the encouragement of your parents or in spite of your parents and you had to like wait until the syndication run started that you could finally watch it before your parents came home from work kind or of they thing. had eventually given in by that point yeah 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 well i mean i had a friend actually the same friend who had Mega Man 3 whose parents would not <laughs> let him watch it and i remember like we were trying i was trying to help convince like his mom to let him watch (laughs) and like i was like oh you know what we'll say some funny jokes that i heard on the show (laughs) and that will convince her to let you watch and she she will know this isn't some godless show (laughs) but it did not work for many years and and how much simpson merch did you have uh back then too i know you were a fan of a lot of uh, you were owning tmnt toys around the same time yeah you know they didn't really i'm they didn't have a great batch of toys for the simpsons they had the burger king toys which i had mm-hmm. i had some a couple shirts but they be they had some like kind of bendable toys somebody's gonna be mad if i'm wrong about this but i don't <laughs> recall them like stocking good decent simpsons toys in toys r us for many years maybe mm-hmm. until i guess the playmates line I, I think there was an okay Mattel line in like 91 that had a that had yeah. like Bartman and Bart and, and the whole family. But let me look that up. We don't have to even talk about it anymore. I'm just doing this for my own. <laughs> the I had the crappy bendy ones too that like I just hate those things weighed like four pounds. <laughs> they, they, they they were good at hitting brothers. Like I say, but... just, they're just weapons. Yeah, they're just yeah. weapons. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. These are your yeah. These are what I'm they like a really cheap uh, board and yes i have i i see these i love to pretend now that i was too like sophisticated and i knew these toys were not as good as like this the playmates turtles or something but i did not have them and i'm not exactly sure why Hmm. Uh, and also i I wondered like out of all the episodes to pick well as a fan of theme parks is that why you wanted this kind of mascot friendly episode i yeah you know that's probably ties into it Hmm. i would think I always I like the Capital City goofball a lot, which mm. I guess plays into it. I just remember like I was into baseball at the time, which is mm. funny now considering I'm <laughs> well, the only sport I like is pro wrestling. But I was like playing baseball these couple of years, and I think I even have in a school project somewhere that I'm going to be a baseball player. That's my wow. goal in life, <laughs> which quickly aban- I mean abandoned by I'm sure third grade. <laughs> so I think that probably all plays into me enjoying this episode. 
Were you a Cubs or a White Sox kid in the Chicagoland area? Oh, Cubs for sure. Mm. Okay. Yeah. This came around the brief time I was into baseball as a kid, too. Maybe this uh, spurred it on. Oh. But yeah. I was never into baseball. I was into basketball for one year of my life, and that's basically <laughs> it. So I still know nothing about it. But I did want to talk about the writers of this episode. So we do like a little writer's corner whenever we encounter new writers in our timeline of The Simpsons. So the writers for this episode are Ken Levine and David Isaacs. And perhaps at this point in history, they were the most acclaimed sitcom writers to have written for The Simpsons. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you don't count like Brooks and Simon as right, the right. showrunners, they definitely, Isaacs and Levine, like, which I'd always said Levine because that's the name of a video game guy, Ken Levine, but it is Levine. Mm. So uh, they knew Sam Simon from their work on sitcoms. They loved the show. They wanted to write for it, but the pay was very low. According to a blog post by Levine, he says they were paying scriptwriters what you would get for a Saturday morning cartoon because mm -hmm. it was animated. So essentially, Sam Simon promised them like Simpsons swag, like jackets <laughs> and toys. And because they had kids and they liked the show, they wrote this script. The the secret of the up until the year 1999 was that The Simpsons was a non-union show. Like on the writer's side, it was not WGA and until the 10th season. And a big reason Fox kept it going for so long. We're like, well, we don't have to really pay the like the actors are cheaper and the writers are cheaper and the animation is cheaper. Like it's every they they got that Saturday morning loophole. It's insane. It's still in blows my mind. I didn't realize that until a couple of years ago ago that it was non-union until the last or the until season 10 yeah and it's uh we we talked to mike scully about yeah. the whole thing in a really good interview folks should listen to yeah it's it. on yeah. our patreon it's our second interview with him we go over like how the show was unionized uh, mm -hmm. so go back to levine and isaacs uh they got their start in writing on a 1975 episode of the jeffersons and after a bit of freelancing they made a big splash on mash mm -hmm. and ended up writing 37 <laughs> episodes of mash and i believe they were the showrunners towards the end like these guys in their 20s wow were the showrunners of MASH. That's, uh, <laughs> man, I, that, that is an impressive career already for them just to be, to be running one of the highest rated TV shows that ever was. Yeah. I, Ken Levine, uh, early in like, 12 years ago i was loving reading his blogs yeah. like he i just enjoyed reading him uh, lift the veil on what it was like to be a sitcom writer in the 70s 80s and 90s in a way i could only really get on my beloved commentaries for simpsons he's like mark evanier and that he's had a blog he's updated every day for like 15 years You're, all about yeah. tv writing <laughs> levine and isaacs also so they would did mash and then they did the hated aftermash and then they went to cheers from the beginning on cheers they won the emmy for the first year of cheers outstanding uh, uh show outstanding uh sitcom or whatever that category is they would write 36 episodes of cheers would be on the show for the entire run outside of one year in which they developed a show for mary tyler moore called mary which is why in saturdays of thunder there was a joke about how mary tyler moore will spray you in the face with mace wow yeah they that's right they had quite an axe to grind with mary tyler with the late Mary Tyler Moore. And I think she was uh, battling alcoholism at that time, or mm -hmm. she had been in recovery. There was something about her that she wasn't at her best around that time. Oh in her life that's 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 too bad uh i will say this is a complete side note I, i'm looking for neca toys to make some mary tyler <laughs> moore figures um i, I just want throw that into the universe i want the footstool it's uh, a little version of it <laughs> you got to get the full set like it's got to be all five of them in the first but who i mean do you have to go to the estate of ted knight to make mm. a ted baxter toy well like, i mean they, i don't know that they don't have to have the license for the funkos but they do have ted knight's character from caddyshack and made into a toy at this uh, point okay 
Okay. Um, so I don't know. I think I feel like they could they could reach the night estate. <laughs> and I assume that uh, they know James L. Brooks and Sam Simon just from being in that world. And yeah, so, yeah. yeah, lots of work on Cheers. And again, like did we just recorded an episode about the cartoon Tailspin. I think it's been available for a while on What a Cartoon or other podcasts. But Cheers, in 1990, Cheers was the Seinfeld of its day. It was getting mm-hmm. at least 30 million people uh, an episode. And they were writing on Cheers at this time and for the entire run. So Cheers was massive. So getting Cheers writers, people who won an Emmy for writing for Cheers on The Simpsons was a huge get. Yeah, like regular one. Yeah, I, uh, you from reading Levine's uh, 2016 blog about it, it, it definitely sounded like when they got their season two order of, you know, the full 22 instead of 13, that, that like Simon was just calling whoever he could to be like, please, we need <laughs> more scripts. Like, <laughs> just come on in. I, I know it pays shit, but, but please. <laughs> and they also wrote for uh, Wings because I think everybody in the 90s had to do their wings time yeah <laughs> uh becker and frazier and i mentioned before he's got a ken levine has a blog just search for ken levine blog and you'll find it he updates it like every day for the past 15 years and he has a uh, podcast called hollywood and levine that just passes 200th episode so i think we can get him on our podcast i think we can man. and only only ask him questions about the two simpsons episodes he wrote. <laughs> like 0.01 percent of his career yeah. but yeah uh this episode is based on his time as a play-by-play announcer of minor league games he was doing while he was doing tv writing and he would later do play-by-play announcing for major league games in fact he wrote a book about doing it for the baltimore orioles in 1991 so a year after this he goes into professional play-by-play and then writes a book about it so he must have been just freelancing then the or well i guess what over the summer he could live in la most of the time and then in the summer he moves to maryland yeah i mean these shows have got to go on hiatus and if you're writing for mash and then cheers you have to have money right yeah yeah. in that time period but yeah that is uh Ken Levine and David Isaacs and uh, there's a new director on this Mark Kirkland we'll talk more about him with a bargain set by a car but we have an interview with him on our Patreon as well but he has recorded uh sorry he has directed now 84 episodes of the show it's so funny that Kirkland on the commentary he's like yeah I'm at 43 and I'm like holy Uh shit you've almost doubled that at this point but yeah we uh I I'll call back to it a couple times for specific stories he told us but in that interview he discussed a lot about working on this episode specifically that uh it's interesting but i i wonder too for levine at least that uh, another draw for this episode was obviously not the pay but was that you know on cheers he could indulge in baseball stuff a little bit because like sam malone That's was right. a pitcher and everything but but this is like no this is the baseball show like i gave up at a certain point in my notes and just like ah he says this is some this character's named after some other guy he knew in baseball like, yeah whatever. there are five people in this episode that have two specific names names all named after people he worked with in minor league baseball <laughs> i i look forward to talking more about kirkland stuff too i love but levine his i really love on his blog post he had this one story i just love about how uh vindictive he could be or well okay this was about getting revenge on the actors on a show if you're mad at him he said to do the best way to do that is to write an episode that takes place in his blizzard because they have to under hot studio lights wear <laughs> heavy clothes and pretend to be and like stand around a fire he's like he i think he said he did it on mash specifically he was he was mad and was like you know what it's winter time this time that's gonna have to be <laughs> was that the whole was that his whole pitch for the mary pilot <laughs> to punish mary tyler moore the hey. last six episodes were uh she was completely snowed in yeah uh-huh. uh, uh, but this is an interesting first uh an episode of a lot of firsts it's also i i believe this 
this is okay if you count homer's odyssey is like i guess homer gets a new job there and that he becomes like a uh, when he loses his job he becomes like the safety guy for the town but this really is the first time homer is hired to a new job and it i i think it more follows the uh regular template of homer gets a new job kind of episode and and it's the first time the family moves that's why the uh. hank scorpio episode's called you only move twice because this is the first time the family uh sells everything and moves and <laughs> it is the first time a guest star has played themselves yeah, in yeah. an episode so a lot of firsts i just take all that for granted that's all just normal simpson stuff <laughs> and like homer's odyssey here. there are so many crowds but this time they're drawn to be people they're not like these weird <laughs> mutants in the background mm-hmm. <laughs> and mike too i wanted to ask because uh, this episode for me is really defined by editing and post i i believe you have you know professionally edited things how how much do you notice that in this in this episode the uh the uh, the editing you mean as far as it being like kind of chopped up or yeah like, yeah um that's i kind of just chalk it up to like the first couple seasons of the simpsons i mean i i would be interested to watch it now again i just rewatched it but i watch it again to notice and and when you say professionally edit you mean edit clips of skateboarders falling on their balls yeah uh, hey, that's which i prof- guess look at aired on tv i yeah. should put it down you know um but i sort of just ch- chalk it up to like a little roughness of the first few seasons yeah I, I honestly think and we'll talk more about this as we talk about the episode that uh people like james l brooks and sam simon were so used to working with live action stuff that now that they have the power to cut up scenes and sprinkle them around and recontextualize scenes by putting in new dialogue which you cannot do in live action for obvious reasons mm-hmm. They had the powers of God. Mm -hmm. And I think they took it too far in this episode because the bar scene that is like the framing device in the original script, that is just the end of the episode. That's where Homer ends up. So that was animated. And they cut that up and reuse it to make a framing device. And I don't think any element of that scene exists as it did originally. Not even the ending. Mm. That's why none of the mouth movements work. That's why they cut away to Mo polishing a glass or the outside of the bar very awkwardly, constantly. That's why Homer bites his tongue off screen. Uh, It's yeah, the 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 framing device of this, I mean the yeah, as they they say what happened was it came back and Brooks felt that it needed a better opening and they just chop it all up and they the I uh, And then they add narration throughout the entire thing and i think yeah. they cut back to the bar at least once they do it too much i wish i think brooks uh i don't know this this goes with the treehouse of horror that came a couple episodes before this they were worried that the raven was too slow and that kids were gonna pull away i think there's some bits in this that just should have been like silent i think or that would have played better with quiet but they they overdid and you can totally tell like the narration like from the beginning is such brooks kind of writing like yeah. it really is about how the way he talks about relationships or dreams or all these kind of homer's things. a yeah. bit too clever with oh, this narration way too clever yeah mm-hmm. uh, yes. that's what you play that's what you pay books for but i would like to see this episode as it was intended mm-hmm. because now that i know what was added to it i just see that as b- it being imposed on an, like a better story yeah i i will look and now i'm going to try to act retroactively smart i am going to say i was like well this is an interesting like framing device you don't get a lot on the show 
So uh, that is interesting. It makes sense mm-hmm. that they chopped it up because it's not th- the normal Simpsons is what like the first act is like disposable and gets you into the main plot, and mm-hmm. then the next two acts are the the actual show. Usually, yeah. This this is this is kind of weird though because this first act is eleven minutes. Yeah, it's, it's a beefy one. It's half the right. episode. I feel like they had cuts at different times in this instead. Yeah, like, there were a few fades where they felt like they were act breaks, but then they weren't. Yeah. Well, this is like uh, when they were just getting done with doing fades in, in Simpsons that it's due instead of just like the, you know, the hard cuts. Yeah. The Simpsons will be right back. Hey, baseball fans, how do you cheer on your favorite team? Little baby batter, kick and roll his ladder. Homer's here to show you how. Ooh, boogie, 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 boogie. Because when this athletic supporter gets off the bench, he scores big with the fans. There he is. The Simpsons. A big thank you to our guest this week, Mike Carlson, for making us feel like Nutty Cuckoo Super Kings. Everybody should check out what he does every week with Scott Garner and Jason Sheridan on the podcast, The Ride Podcast. It's so much fun. And if you're an enjoyer of this podcast, well, Talking Simpsons is brought to you each week by wonderful listeners like you who subscribe at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. You see, me and Bob do this as our full-time jobs, and we can only do it thanks to the support of people on Patreon. And that five bucks a month of support, well, it doesn't just let you sleep easy knowing that me and Bob can make this our living, but also you get to hear every episode of Talking Simpsons a week ahead of time and ad-free. That also goes for our podcast what a cartoon and you get so many exclusive podcasts each month we cover futurama in the talking simpson style in talking futurama that comes out at the end of each month and twice a month in fact starting very soon on the patreon we will be covering talking of the hill season two part one we're covering the first half of king of the hill for you guys at the five dollar level and you'll get the access to the entire back catalog of our exclusive to Patreon miniseries covering previous episodes of King of the Hill, Futurama, The Critic, the entire series of Mission Hill as well, and tons and tons more. You'll hear us talk about a Jeff Martin interview and Mark Kirkland interview we did. Those are only available behind the Patreon paywall, five bucks a month. Please consider signing up today at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons to hear it all. But do you want something even fancier than the excitement of meeting the Capital City Goofball? Then you want to go up to the $10 level at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons to hear our many exclusives. In addition to all of that $5 stuff I just mentioned, 10 bucks a month at the premium level gets you our monthly What a Cartoon movie podcast. Me and Bob cover an animated feature film on the same level of high detail that we do on Talking Simpsons and What a Cartoon. Coming up at the end of this month, DuckTales the movie we're covering for over almost four hours long. The month after that in April, you'll get to hear us talk about Shrek. That's right, it's the 20th anniversary of Shrek, and we have a lot of thoughts on that ogre-rated film. Plus, over two years of a back catalog of what a cartoon movies. That's over 120 hours. Me and Bob talking about films as diverse as Aladdin, Akira, a goofy movie, Kiki's Delivery Service, End of Evangelion, and far many more than that. Please sign up for 10 bucks a month to hear everything at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons.
I, I do think that Brooks kind of over overplayed his hand on this one. I also wonder too, if like, you know, by the end of season two, Simon was getting on his way out. So I wonder if this was part of this power struggle near the end too, because if like by the time the stuff started coming back in color, I think I, I'm wondering if that's when Simon was kind of moving out of his slot and so mm. brooks was kind of taking over more and was making these like edit calls instead i Could wonder be. i just think uh not to go too far on this but like uh, i think these guys honestly thought like no one would notice mm. but you do notice especially as you're watching these things on better tvs too you can see like that's just a video freeze and a zoom in on a video <laughs> oh, freeze yeah. like you could tell so i think they were, they thought they were being a little too, more clever than they actually were with a lot of these like reuse shots and recycled animation scenes in adr i well i'll say this i rewatched this on my phone uh, <laughs> uh maybe the 1990 still frames then don't look as uh, so it looked perfect it looked yeah. just like i remembered it <laughs> uh well at least now it's in the right aspect ratio on the mm-hmm. I- i'm assuming you watched it on disney plus yes the uh yes, the, yes. the greatest place to watch anything it's such a of wonderful... course it's perfect <laughs> yeah. everything's perfect <laughs> uh but uh, actually why don't we hear a little bit of that tacked on opening Homer, what happened in Capital City? Oh, Barney. Come on, Homer, we're dying of curiosity. Look, there's only one thing worse than being a loser. It's being one of those guys who sits in a bar telling the story of how he became a loser. And I never want that to happen to me. Please, Homer. Yeah, come on, Homer. Well, okay. It all started on nuclear plant employees, spouses, and no more than three children night down at Springfield Stadium. I... Never noticed that music until listening to that right now. That is a very weird choice. What was the music in the background? I I couldn't place the song, but it was like a vocal song huh. being played. That that also feels very like season one Moe's Bar kind of choice too. Yeah, when we did season one, we noticed there's always like in, a, a recognizable song playing mm. to sort of like contrast with the bleakness of Moe's Bar. Like an actual pop song of some kind? Yeah, like they have like uh, Crazy, I think. One yeah, time. yeah, yeah. Wow, really? (laughs) The bar scene, again, it's meant to be the end of the episode. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they were going to say at the end, but you could tell from the beginning that... And I I think, like Mike Reese said on the the commentary, like, it was an old trick of so many episodes of the Dick Van Dyke show start as a character telling a story. Yeah. And that was just a trick to get, you know, viewers into the story. I remember that on a lot of the Dick Van Dyke reruns I'd watch. I'd be like, they they always have to be like, well, five years ago. I, feel, I remember on most of those Dick Van Dyke ones, it seemed like a way to get out of having to write anything for their kid because they're like, well, we, we had him have a kid, but it's no fun to write kid stories. So they'll just, they'll start the story with Dick going like, well, remember five years ago, this happened. <laughs> Yeah, I that's is it just like a fairy tale opening where it's like the big book is there? Like, is that just something that they get people got used to? Because I don't really know that he get anything from it, at least in this instance. <laughs> it's not like it's it's not like it's uh, setting up some like cool thing. And you're like, wow, how is this gonna happen? <laughs> I, th- I think like narratively it gives you the excuse to use narration and narration isn't always bad but it can also like kind right. of buttress a weakness in the story by like mm-hmm. oh here's a clever thing a character can say when there's no one speaking on the screen right 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 yeah and narration some like your purist filmmakers i feel like think narration is bullshit mm-hmm. i mean well that's which what is... i learned from the film adaptation which was was my film school right of course (laughs) when i think about not having that opening there just having a fun wordless open of auto like uh, driving in and going like hey i think we lost him like (laughs) that's a fun i think that's a funnier start to an episode than uh than homer reflecting on stuff 
Yeah, I think I think your James L. Brooks overthought it. <laughs> if we may critique this multi-time Oscar winner, <laughs> I feel yeah. like really. I've been to a couple family game nights uh, mm. for for a. Um, it was my mom's work when I was a kid, but it was for like the local hockey team. But a few years ago, my stepdad uh, took me and my mom to the family g- day, which was for an Oakland A's game, which was as sparsely attended as this game was. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, I think that's uh, that's my only experience with family days. I, I now the thought of a business spending a bunch of money to take people to a baseball game at night that that seems unlikely. Yeah, I mean, I have heard I have heard a business like took people to like a theme like they'll rent out a theme park, but I think it has to be like obviously a business that generates a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the joke here is that Mr. Burns is being very cheap in that like no more than three children night, basically. Uh, yes, yeah. And then yes. if you see when he's reading them, they're in section Z, but still like Burns like a year later would not do this for his employees oh, yeah, yeah. or even sit with them, <laughs> you know? And I guess I guess the implication too is that the isotopes is owned by Burns as well. Yeah, so yeah. He's, he's saving money in that way. It is interesting. There's a couple of things like leases. I will get leases like a little... I don't know. We'll get there when we get there. <laughs> well, no, uh, yeah, in the next scene of them walking into the game, I do. I like that Lisa is a nerd for baseball. Like, she's sounding like Ken Burns before yeah. his documentary. Being very poetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, baseball is the nerd's game. Uh, the the sport for nerds, I th- feel baseball is that. Yeah, for sure. And that's maybe why at least I flirted with liking it as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what? The, like reality has like outpaced the Simpsons satire of food, but mm-hmm. I don't know if you can buy a 72 ounce tub of beer at any event yet. <laughs> no, I, I don't. <laughs> maybe when so. events come back, you yeah. know, we'll need it to deal with the trauma of being around people. <laughs> you can get, uh, you can get like a tub of that at Howl at the Moon, like a, a but it's liquor. It's not beer. Mm. Mm. I've, uh, the only time I go, well, and obviously I'm talking about, before uh i the only uh things i would go to would be you know wrestling events but if i bought beer i'd hate to get in those cups because i'm certain i'm going to spill like 20 percent of it on the walk there and it's just i i'm not a fan of buying beer at also then i just feel so ripped off whatever the amount <laughs> of money i'm charged for beer i think it's two dollars too much at least well they're not sure. they're not dealing with the constant amount of pissing homer must have to do after drinking like oh, more than yes. one 72 ounce tub of beer <laughs> well, i believe gonna... it's 250 though for two of these beers it is that's yeah. crazy they didn't do a joke about how expensive liquor is at baseball games even yeah. in a minor league game it would be uh, it would not be cheap i know Minor league games. This is like an ode to minor league baseball in general, and how fun that could be. I yeah, the bits in here about going to the big leagues uh, were really got me at the time because my family had just moved to Atlanta, so I'd never been to a major league baseball game because I grew up in a town like uh, Arkansas does not have major league sports at all, and so getting to go to the Atlanta Braves like Turner Field was a huge change for me. Yeah, we had we had fly. They built like I think a Flyers Stadium for the Schaumburg Flyers. Like hmm. when I was out of playing baseball, and then we went. I'm trying to think. It was probably some like school tie-in to go there, and I don't remember anything 
about going to these shows, except once I saw Bob Dylan there and Vince Vaughn was in the audience, mm. and I it blew my mind. <laughs> I was uh, like, "Oh, Vince Vaughn!" This was like when I was twenty-one. <laughs> Hollywood's Vince Vaughn. Yeah, yeah in, in Schaumburg. <laughs> There's some weird visual gags as they walk in that I that the the old man selling that kid the hat in the foreground is so odd. They're, they still haven't gotten the like the background people down right. What I noticed about this episode is that there are so many crowds of people but not one recognizable character mm. like in a future episode like five years later it'd be like well what is flanders doing at the game or what is sideshow mel doing like yeah. but there's no other character at the stadium that we know but the simpsons yeah it's yeah i w- i did notice that too i was like i these are i assume never came back again like yeah. you couldn't find these character models in any other like audience scene in the next season so many scenes of the simpsons yeah we get weirdos like uh the gamels come back from no disgrace yeah. like home and the uh the windfields yeah the windfields <laughs> we see them at capital city these yeah. season one nobodies that would just die in a few episodes from now <laughs> There's a guy I did notice noted that when they're walking through by souvenirs, there's a guy dressed like Bart. Oh yes, there's there's several Bart hairlines in this too that are all just like all these these setup rules. But I feel for so bad for Mark Kirkland that his first episode he's on, it's like a lot of choreographed dancing and 800 crowd shots like <laughs> so many crowd shots it's incredibly unfair for a person's first and it's uh i mean the commentary is really oh. something actually but me and bob were talking about that uh, before i just feel so sorry for mark kirkland because they're showing off this amazing work for a director's first job on this very complex show and all macarating is doing is complaining about things that they eventually fixed yes like i told you guys don't draw those eyebrows you eventually listen to me and meanwhile like there's like 500 people on the screen that mark kirkland directed uh it's uh there's even a bit of like when they do a close-up on homer and he's got the kind of you may notice in this app the m of hair over his ear is rounded and you know mark kirkland's like yeah we some you know we varied it back then sometimes do it sharp sometimes do it rounded and then graining's like it was always supposed to be sharp i didn't like it rounded and then kirkland says but uh, wes archer said it was okay he's like i was telling wes not to do that it's like uh, bringing up uh he's he's like brie digging up hatchets that have been buried <laughs> it's still like obviously really he probably wakes up in the middle of the night screaming about it <laughs> uh, he drew more than one tear just one tear <laughs> i told you one this animal winked no Okay, uh, but I I also do really like the cute design of uh, Maggie and her hat. I yeah, like yeah. And, and in this episode, Burns is is evolving into the Burns we know and love. But there's still these old traits. Like he still is doing the Reagan uh, thing of using index cards to like remember people's names. Mm-hmm. And we'll see like another version of that way down the line in Homer the Smithers when they bring back the index cards. But they're for him to remember his name. Yeah, it's like everything right. is on me, Monty Burns. <laughs> that's right. Uh, <laughs> Which is a, like kind of a similar thing to this. Except that in Homer the Smithers, uh, Burns is drinking beer with a teaspoon. Oh, yes. He's not drinking more than one 72-ounce beer with Homer. Uh, yeah, there's uh, there's multiple things that Burns is off on. But I, I like, uh, I have the clip for it, but the next, the bit of a lost runner is always interesting to me. Like, they only do this twice. This joke twice. This is really just a sequel to No Disgrace Like Home of him not knowing who the Simpsons are and them getting some joke out of that. Yeah, I feel like it's these writers saying, well, this is what Mr. Burns does we need a scene of him doing this burns is so much more uh hardy mm-hmm. too 
And then they were just like, let's make him the most frail man alive. <laughs> it's important a point. to note that a few episodes ago uh, in uh, Simpson and Delilah, his given age was 81. Mm, so right. in a few years, he would be 104. So they, <laughs> they aged about 20 years since this episode. <laughs> he makes some old-timey references in here, but nothing compared to what he'll do in uh, in the softball episode a year after. But, uh, but yes, the S- Burns meets the Simps in this next clip. Lisa, honey, you're forgetting the beer. It comes in 72-ounce tubs here. I hope you'll space out the tubs this year, Homer. What are you getting at? Well, last year you got a little rambunctious and mooned the poor umpire. Marge, this ticket doesn't just give me a seat. It also gives me the right, no, the duty to make a complete ass of myself. (laughs) Ah, the gamels. Good to see you. You're an inspiration to all of us in waste management, sir. Well, take your mind off contaminants for one night and have a hot dog. (laughs) Put a little smile on his card, Smithers. Already there, sir. It's a Simpsons. Ah, well, if it isn't the Simps. Uh, 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 Simpsons, sir. Oh, uh, oh, yes, uh, Homer and Marge Simpson. Oh, and these must be Bart, Lisa, and uh, expecting... Card needs to be updated, sir. Well, uh, well uh, that's okay. The, the baby's name isn't important. Let's go, March. <laughs> uh, I'm now noticing the organ music throughout the whole scene too. I yeah. wonder if that was always there. They decided to goose it. Uh, yeah, Burns giving away the joke of the title. Although uh, gay doesn't mean happy anymore, and simp means something different in 2021. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the Gamble family named after Tom Gamble, who was a friend of the writers, who'd go on to be a writer for The Simpsons by season 10. Yeah. Uh, the the Gamble family. It's funny too. No disgrace like home. He was fired by Burns, but this time Burns likes. And uh, and he says to put a smile by the card that pays off with the joke later of when Homer gets banned on his card. There's a bunch of frowny mm. faces on there, which clearly was him telling Smithers to do. I I again when I see Smithers in this full on assistant role role here, I can't uh, stop thinking about my new theory that I presented uh, last in season one that. Smithers is a parody of Jeffrey Katzenberg. Which, oh, right, uh, right, right. Oh, which, interesting. Which, hear me out here, Mike. Uh, uh-huh. that I'm talking about Quibby's own Jeffrey Katzenberg, uh, which is that they say that he, that Burns to a degree was based on Barry Diller, who was the president of Fox at the time, and they based Smithers on Barry Diller's obsequious assistance and uh, any reader of Disney War will know that Jeffrey Katzenberg mm-hmm. was Barry Diller's assistant for a time. So, I uh, that's that's my theory. I, I buy guess. it completely. <laughs> but no one yeah. would admit to it. Like nobody would want to piss off Jeffrey Katzenberg and and say like, yeah, we've been calling him gay for thirty years. There's there's the also show. the whole like uh, Richard Sakai Smithers and James L. Brooks's Burns oh, kind I of totally dynamic. Believe that too, one hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. Wow. I I would love no one. I guess no one will ever admit this. <laughs> to be a fact these to be facts right this uh, just be like we'll have to guess you know i bet i bet if we asked jay kogan i bet he'd admit it he's the one who tells us all these he, in our interview he's just like oh yeah sam simon and, and grading screamed at each other all the time and he's <laughs> retired now so <laughs> yeah, he's fine yeah. <laughs> oh, okay well yeah ask him uh but uh but yeah so the simpsons 
they they head off to their seats there's some black background billboard gags of like savings and loan scandals a yeah look up look up the keating five if you want to learn about what john mccain was up to in the (laughs) 80s Um, well hey bob i'm sure every person who was involved in that had real consequences uh given to them oh yes he was told sternly he had poor judgment (laughs) uh well the norms were at least upheld thank god uh and also there's a there's a billboard for moe's which i have to think like when would moe's spend that much money on advertising and offer a free well drink to yeah, a player no way also mo doesn't know how to make a well drink he knows how to open a beer bottle that's, that's true <laughs> and then bart goes off to ask for an autograph i think i think this taught me as a kid like oh you could ask for autographs at baseball games i i didn't know you could do such a thing yeah i think the first time i knew this that that existed maybe was when we would go to like to the horse track Mm. and there would you would like go and try to get the players to autograph the players i should uh that sounds stupid <laughs> uh, you should go get the jockeys to get the their autograph uh, and then they sometimes would give you their goggles whoa oh man i don't want to sanitize those <laughs> uh no, you... i would put them right on and get on a horse <laughs> <laughs> at the dog track you could just look at dogs like they there there were no goggles to be given that's uh... yeah you couldn't get an autograph from a dog i guess you well if they put like their paw print in ink that would be cute uh but they you know if you show those dogs any kind of like warmth or anything they'll be no good as a dog i'll anymore. just slow them down yeah. mm-hmm. any any treating a dog like uh any <laughs> with any love will will destroy its ability <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, true. I do like the little gag that Bart doesn't get his signature, and Marge, being a great mom, goes to get it for him. And uh, I, I love the term "mature quail" well, as yeah. well. That should we should have that instead of MILF. I like that. And and Homer is not <laughs> mad. This baseball player wants to sleep with Marge. He's like, "Way to go, Marge! You still yeah. got it." And she, even she giggles at it. I like yeah, that. Yeah, it's I love that. And I think this is the first <laughs> reference to Shelbyville. Yes, it is. I I triple check that the Shelbyville reference like they uh in oh brother where art thou which they called it years before that was a movie uh in season two in that episode homer does go to shelbyville to look for the shelbyville orphanage uh for where his brother was but uh this is the first reference of shelbyville as the it's so it's the first for shelbyville and capital city the two top other cities in the whatever state springfield is in and they are the shelby villians yeah that's funny that's funny <laughs> that is funny yeah <laughs> uh and yeah that's it was at this point in the commentary where grading like it just as the full digression complaining about homer's hair which i'm like come on man this is a when he was saying that it was an 11 year old episode yeah like and they yeah. fixed the fed the hair has been fine for like eight years yeah. nine years by that point so who cares yeah it's, it looks fine <laughs> Was he wanting to do a George Lucas, like, remaster, like, fix everything? You know, I think he just would rather complain. I don't think he'd Mm. go to that. Well, it's also like, Mac Rating is, he is very rich, but not George Lucas rich, so. uh, Right, right. (laughs) uh, But yeah, so uh, we then get a jumbo vision gag of Homer being on it, and there's two things I didn't like about this. As a kid, even I knew that you couldn't hear the voice of somebody who's on Jumbo Vision. Like, that bugged me. Right, right. Uh, and then also, though, doing an XYZ joke, like, that's just a street joke. Like, that's not, they didn't bring a new, other than Homer not knowing what XYZ meant. Like, I, I think it, I learned XYZ from this episode, mm, or at least everyone in my school did. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's where I learned it. I did learn a lot of, of terms from this episode. Oh, yeah. I mean, Simpsons are probably, like, I probably learned a majority of pop culture references uh, from it. Yeah, I mean, the first episode aired taught kids of the 90s Jingle Bells, Batman Smells. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's yeah. Uh, that. Uh, I should look it up. But that that guy's YouTube video going through like, uh, do people say Robin laid an egg or some variation of it in different countries? It was a really interesting uh, study this guy did. Look, look at it. Just search Robin laid an egg on YouTube. I'm sure you'll find it. Though also, again, to be further pedantic, why would a, a minor league team in the year 1990 would have a jumbotron? I I think not. Mm. I uh, that that that's far too much money. Like you at Turner Field, you'd be lucky to see a TV that big. Yeah, that uh, yes, I the funding you would need is just <laughs> we Springfield can, couldn't handle it. We can blame Antoine Tex O'Hara for his <laughs> poor choices. Uh, <laughs> since you said it already, that name is ten times funnier to me now. Like it's he's to Antoine French O'Hara Irish, and then Tex. Like, but it's also a real guy's name. It is that right. they knew. <laughs> But yeah, his, his name was already a joke name. So yes, Burns goes out to throw the first pitch. I really do love the design on the little like car that drives him to the mound. That's a funny drawing. And I also just love there's some great just like Burnsism was like as well they might like that's just so funny. And I never get tired of this in real life when they get someone who is frail or uncoordinated to throw out a first pitch because mm-hmm. I couldn't do it. I would refuse. Yeah. But uh, the the great the great Fauci, Doctor Fauci, his pitch it was Mister Burns's pitch. <laughs> oh, that's right. This was months ago, <laughs> even yeah. at this point. But man, I just thought of that. Wow, yeah, you're right. Like, Fauci, terrible pitch. He's an 80-year-old man. Mm. <laughs> so I guess, yeah, same age as Burns is here. Yeah, yeah. I forgot he was that old. Uh, he's so, Well, he seems, Fauci seems like he's in good shape for yeah, the most yeah. part. Yeah, he's, I'd assume he was 60 until I until I knew. It might just be one of those things where since you see him in context of a very unhealthy man all the time, you maybe, <laughs> you maybe think of him as like the, the picture of health. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a very good point. I, I also, uh, yeah, Burns brings up Satchel Page, who that's his first of many old uh, baseball references. That does fit within his uh, the context of him being 81. Yeah. For a later an, one doesn't. An, 80, an 81 year old in 1990 would have seen a player who uh, had retired in the 40s, like who uh, Satchel Page, uh, a legend of baseball, played in both uh, the Major League Baseball and the Negro Leagues, a big time guy. Uh, but so for him to compare himself, I think that makes it even funnier that of all people, he says Satchel Page. Uh, but but this is another bit that like it feels like they sort of lost what they do with Burns like when Burns throws it and everybody laughs at him and Smithers tries to you know lie about how good it looked Burns knows he's lying yeah like, yeah I, yeah I think they would definitely change this to where Burns would believe Smithers or he would just be deluded or too old to even realize what's happening yeah to see him go like oh shut up like I don't know that's that's too perceptive for Burns he should he should just believe whatever Smithers whispers to him. back when he was like a, a young man of 80 he was much more perceptive <laughs> i like the idea though that like like something like happened or like he didn't know or like he a, a, like age accelerated is there like the point you know the episode where he is officially 100 and whatever i think it was uh was it uh who shot mr burns part one they call him uh yeah. springfield's most prominent 104 year old man or something yeah, like that's that what, that's what skinner says uh like i wouldn't recognize uh springfield's most prominent 104 year old businessman yeah so <laughs> And then, and then it was further solidified in Homer the Smithers, where he after he punches Burns, he says, "I punched him in his hundred and four year old face." Oh yes, yeah. yes. Maybe it was like a, you could like you could retcon it like it's a David Brenner thing where he was lying about his age, <laughs> uh, and then he obviously had just had some decline. 
where he would just believe whatever Smithers said. Yeah, okay. I would say, how about like in the last episode of the season, Blood Feud, the uh, the health problem he has makes him age 20 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. 23 years. You're right, the hypotheme, her hypo... Hypohemia? It's, it's a fake disease. Yeah, yeah that's it. This, uh, is like, this is like the level of like Rogue One retconning <laughs> tiny Star Wars things that were just like not thought of in the original <laughs> movie. And you really don't need to do it. It's pointless. But like for whatever reason, people like to do it and like to see it. I love that at the end of Rogue One where they've been using all these things like that look cool in the the production design for that movie. But once they get everything on the disc and they send it up to the to the ship, that's when they're like, oh, we have to put it inside of this thing that looks like the prop from the 70s. That's right. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, they're like, well, then they have to like, it has to match up. You know, if we really examine this, it doesn't really make sense together. Uh, but I mean, you know, at the end of that movie, there's a good 30 seconds of like Darth Vader looks pretty cool. Yeah, you know, I saw it in theaters and I woke up just in time for the ending. So it was pretty good. <laughs> The last 45 minutes are good. Yeah. 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 I'd like to see what uh, that the Gareth Edwards made the first time. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, uh, um, he should get the Zach. If Zack Snyder gets another shot, he should. Well, I, and I don't want to get us off on the tra- uh, tracker. <laughs> I'm, I'm all for as many cuts of every movie as possible. <laughs> I want the Schumacher three hour Batman forever cut. That's at the top of my list. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, oh, and another thing I never, thanks to Frankiac, I finally know. Homer, I always thought I never knew what he called Burns, but he says rag arm. Rag arm. That's that's what mm. Frankie acts like. Okay. Like, hey, rag arm. You throw like my uh, like. Uh, that's what he like says. A girl too. or something. Well, then Bart says you okay. throw like my sister, but I I be, uh, at least what Frankie acts says. At first, I thought it was like rag a heart, but it's uh, well. Here, I got the clip. I'll play it real quick. Oh, they love you, sir. <laughs> as well they might. You know, Smithers, when I was a young buck, my patented fadeaway pitch was compared by many to the trouble ball of the late great Satchel Page. Spit on this for me, Smithers. One hawker coming up, sir. I think I could actually hear the air being torn, sir. Do shut up! Hey, birds! Hey, Ragar! <laughs> you throw like my sister, man! I don't know why they didn't stand out to me, but I guess that's baseball slang. I guess, yeah. It's like your your arm is so limp and unmuscled that it would be as like a rag, hmm. I guess. That feels like Burns would have said that because it's an old-timey <laughs> expression. Yeah, yeah. I This did teach me the we need a pitcher, not a belly itcher stuff. I, I definitely said that at baseball games. I Though embarrassingly, I also I learned from watching pro wrestling things to shout at the, and I my dad got mad at me that I insulted. I There was a whole bit about <laughs> insulting Texas, I think, that the Million Dollar Man did to somebody, to Dusty Rhodes. And so I just said that at a baseball game against, uh, against the Texas team, and my dad was like, stop saying that. There's <laughs> Texas people around. Us. You insulted Betty Crocker in front of your father? <laughs> Just something you said to insult the crowd? Yeah, it was like, it was the million dollar man saying, well, everybody from Texas is stupid, like that kind mm. of thing. And so gotcha. I was just repeating, I was just doing what TV told me to do, Dad. That's all. It's right most you were of just the time. Trying to, you were trying to get heat. Yeah. Uh, but this is another thing that makes this feel like a weird episode that they can set aside two and a half whole minutes for for music in this episode. Yeah, a lot of this episode is eaten up by admittedly fun music segments, but yeah. it is this and the Capital City song that are like just taking up a lot of real estate. <laughs> 
and uh the the this is uh a new voice for bleeding gums murphy in this episode it's uh the the late christian singer daryl coley yeah uh, who uh, was born in our neck of the woods in berkeley california I that's saw. right and he died after our original take on this episode so he died in uh march of 2016 at age 65 and too too young too young but he's i mean he knows exactly what is needed for this like this is every trick of indulging and expanding the national anthem to make it as long as possible but the national anthem's boring i I remember this i remember getting this joke as a kid or thinking i got it and Mm -hmm. i'm really trying to remember if i did or not because it is fun because like i guess i had i guess it's just baseball i was like oh i i know it's longer sometimes Mm -hmm. they make the national anthem longer when they sing yeah according to the uh the the clock in the game that he sings for 26 minutes that's pretty (laughs) great uh well now seeing this bit about the national anthem i just think like i'd be sitting for that whole thing (laughs) or how uh though i i will say the last time i went to a baseball game that at that same a's game with my family i was tempted to sit through the anthem because you know it, it, it was becoming the style but i was like eh, I, I was just feeling intense peer pressure around me like i <laughs> i don't know if the national anthem should fill you with dread of like well if i don't stand for this i might be beaten so i better stand up <laughs> i had a similar experience in that this is like the, old, the the second wrestling show i've ever been to in my home <laughs> in my hometown there was like amateur wrestling but the honky tonk man was going to be there mm. and he was there and he was like 60 and he did one move but uh we got in we got our seats and it's like they started playing i'm proud to be an american which is not the national anthem <laughs> we we're like let's go get beer now and we got up and got beer and coming back like everyone was giving us a stink eye because like Ooh. you didn't put your hand over your heart over the non-national anthem being played <laughs> it's like lee greenwood isn't like a patriot no he's just some guy <laughs> this is definitely like i'm sure contributing to certain anti-simpsons early on because obviously they were sacrilegious in regards to church mm. and i'm sure like something like this too made people go like this is disrespectful to people that sing the national anthem. Yeah, actually, Fox Standards and Practices told them, like, you can't quote excerpts of the national anthem. That's like, <laughs> that's disrespectful. But they're like, we, we don't get notes on this show, so go away. Uh, <laughs> there's a good little gag. Uh, there's some good visual gags in there. Like, they, they mentioned that the, the moon moving up uh, Kirkland credits to David Silverman is his pitch. It's a great gag that when they all stand up, Homer pulls up Bart because yeah. and he's, he's forcing him to respect the national anthem in the like 30 years ago and and also the gag that everyone is sick of it except for lisa who stands at attention (laughs) excitedly the entire time and that does feel like another like new writers coming in to write for the show like who are characters oh bleeding gums because we never see him after this no (laughs) until he Uh, dies and and he judges a talent show and then he dies that's right yeah (laughs) he likes that refried dog poop joke yeah Also, the guy right behind them who's looking at his watch, he looks like first appearance sideshow Bob mm. from uh, from Telltale Head. But after that whole song, uh, we then get to hear the voice of Ken Levine as well as David Horde, who uh, is a broadcasting partner in Syracuse. Yeah, Syracuse <laughs> University. Uh, who is, I believe, still the the NFL announcer for the Bengals in uh, in Detroit, or well, wherever the Bengals are, I think Detroit. I don't, I, I don't think they would allow this kind of like indulgence, like letting the writer voice a character, letting him name everyone after his friends. I think they wouldn't let anyone else get away yeah. with this. <laughs> I think it was Levine going like, do you know what kind of pay cut I'm taking on this? Like, let let me do the let me indulge everything. 
but also i think he is like he, he, he is clearly a very well practiced commentator of baseball when he says like swung on a miss strike three like it's like it sounds like a guy who has said that eight thousand times as a baseball commentator so it's not it's not bad casting either yeah no i i it sounded authentic to me as a <laughs> as a non-baseball fan uh, yeah, so there's a little joke that nobody else is at the game except for a packed seats in the in the employee section. The 26 game losing streak that is an accurate uh, baseball stat. I looked up. Mm-hmm. It is uh, in major league history, and this is a minor league team, so it technically doesn't count that way. But in major league baseball, 26 games is the losing streak record set in 1889. Oh wow! So it's it hasn't been broken since then. Uh, the most recent record that challenges that was a 19 game losing streak by the 2005 Kansas City Royals. So, uh, man, I just want to screenshot every crowd member. You, you, you had some good ones on Twitter, Bob. Yeah, just uh, I mean, again, we don't see recognizable characters. We don't even see extras that we see again. It's just like they're all unique. Some of them are mutants. We've evolved beyond season one, but there are some weirdos in the audience mm-hmm. for sure. Very distracting weirdos. Yeah, I I gotta you do you have these on your Twitter? Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah, I mean later there's a crowd shot of like uh when Marge is at the Capital City game and going up the stairs and they have to draw like everyone in this giant crowd. There are like some weird sight gags happening, including like an old couple hitting on a young couple in the yeah. front row. It's very distracting. <laughs> Uh, I, it's funny because seeing those some of those like the characters in these seasons they look like the bootleg Simpsons mm. merchandise. Well, in Kirkland, he only has the first season to go on. Like he even mentions production wise, he was working on this while Silverman was finishing the thirteenth episode of season one, like doing the the new scenes that changed up some Enchanted Evening. Like uh, right, right, and uh, so yeah, Homer. Uh, gets seated or Burns gets seated right next to Homer in the front row and this also just feels like they're writing a Burns that they would grow out of writing of this is a Burns who's trying to appear like one of the guys reading someone to a drink any of these things Burns would never ever do in like even seven episodes later I think I think honestly once they're done with the governor story they're like the, the, okay we know who Burns is now yeah I mean even mm-hmm. if he's uh, cynical about it there's like a degree of generosity you don't see in the future mm-hmm yeah, uh, he bec- I mean, he's fully cartoon monster <laughs> yeah. at a certain point. Uh, but yes, the uh, Homer and Burns actually get drunk together. This uh, I was double checking it. OK, if you want to count in Homer's night out when he parties with Princess Cashmere, is that Homer getting drunk? I think he's I think he is a little drunk in it, but mm. I think I would say this is the first time Homer got for real drunk in yeah. the series. Even if it's like trash beer, uh, a 72 ounce tub of beer is six beers, and yeah. these men have more than one. <laughs> and Burns sobers up remarkably quick at yes. the end of this yes. at the end of this act, rather. How does that happen? <laughs> Yeah, Burns' tolerance, yeah, is insane for an old man. It's crazy. Uh, but it's uh, I can't do that. I can't drink this much. Oh no, one, uh, two, two drinks. Uh, it's sleepy time for Henry. I, I like during quarantine. I stopped drinking as much, and last night I had one beer, and I woke up with a splitting headache. Oh, That's how much my tolerance has gone down. Yeah, no, I had. I think I had two drinks three nights ago, and I'm like, like my stomach is still recovering from it. <laughs> uh, but uh, but Burns is sh- putting us all to shame in this next clip. Beer here, Duff beer, beer. Did you hear that, Mark? Delicious beer, right frosty beer. beer. 
bad lot of good it does me sitting next to old man Burns. I suppose you want a beer? Oh, hey, beer, sir? Oh, no, not a chance. Only idiots drink beer. Actually, I was wondering if you'd join me. My treat. Oh. Well, if someone of your stature can enjoy a beer, maybe I'm all turned around on the subject. Wait a minute. We're not having a drug test tomorrow, are we? No. Uh, vendor, two, please. Two fifty. The hitter's off his rocker, kissing Betty Crocker. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, sir. Oh, well, I used to rile the late great Connie Mack with that one at old Scheib Park. Little baby batter, can't control his bladder. Mm, crude, but uh, I like it. Uh, what do you say we freshen up our little drinky poos? Don't mind if I do. <laughs> I really love how Homer is punished for getting along with Mr. Burns. Oh, like, yeah. He completely forgets that they were on the same page the entire time. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's, uh, and that Burns like punishes him swiftly after. I, I wonder if this is just Burns fucking with him the entire Maybe, time. Maybe, yeah. I mean, it's a very just stock boss thing, though, uh, like for any sitcom of like the boss challenges you to drink and getting drunk with the boss kind of thing that that feels like it's pulled out of the, the classic just sitcom tropes that uh, Levine and Isaacs know so well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they often like like there's uh, sometimes Homer does endear himself to Burns and then screws it up. So I feel like that's kind of a pattern. <laughs> yeah. And he mentions uh, Connie Mack, Mr. Burns. Connie Mack stopped playing baseball in 1896. Mm-hmm. Too uh, old for this Burns to have seen him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that uh, and apparently I, I saw Connie Mack like that he was the longest reigning manager in baseball history, like 50 years. And that, well, and also that like Shiba Park, that hadn't existed. It got renamed like 40 years before this episode mm. aired. And it had been... Uh, it stopped being the park for the Phillies in 1970. So that's how, even in 1990, that was an old reference. I think, too, as a little kid, this, like, taught me what being drunk was. Like, I didn't, or at least Oh, well, my parents idea. taught me what being drunk was. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's just your parents being funny, and they smell funny. <laughs> like, that's that. <laughs> I think I, like, I feel like, like, Looney Tunes or something is where I my cartoon my cartoonish idea of what it was because i think i even said on that barney episode we were talking about i would like say oh barney's drinking barney's drunk. <laughs> I, yeah my parents never saying how dry i am right. so i wasn't sure if they were drunk or not <laughs> i you, you know i never noticed my parents were ever drunk until i was like 12 or something and they came back from a jimmy buffett concert oh that man was the one time. Wow. <laughs> that'll do it <laughs> I think I think that was the first time they'd gotten like I I woke up to a, a rather hungover mom and uh, I I didn't I understood at that point like oh okay but, uh, but yes in the the next bit Burns also references Pie Trainer who was uh, third baseman for the Pirates retired in 1937 so he was old <laughs> enough to have seen Pie Trainer yeah. <laughs> apparently for for a long time he was called the best third baseman in the game but uh, there have been some better ones since then i guess uh, baseball fans correct me if i'm wrong here but uh, i like the uh, homer and burns together are fun i like them doing the wave together like that's a really fun and i feel like shearer is having a good time mm-hmm. in in the role it's just uh you know i'm used to hearing harry shearer you know playing burns uh, very different these days <laughs> 
by comparison. <laughs> he was only in his late 40s back then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the isotopes aren't doing so well. We get a quick cut to the organ player, which I here's another like editing theory I have in this episode. I think the organ music and the organ player wasn't in their original edit of this and i think homer Mm. dances silently and i think they decided later like this plays better with music behind him and then we'll just cut in a shot of the organist uh because later he asked for like reggae music yeah okay i i i feel like it's that's a late addition to it but and and levine says that like when he was doing uh, minor league uh, play-by-play uh there'd be a lot of these like drunk oafs leading (laughs) cheers and i I was never exposed to any sort of thing like this oh man we we definitely had a local uh guy at the at the minor league games in in jacksonville was the suns they had like Sonny, who was like a he was a some sort of bird i can't remember these uh recently when i've gone to san francisco giants games like their character lucille oh he, he has some fun antics I, I mean i know mascots but not like just fans just a guy, that come like yeah. all painted up usually and uh we'll just uh yeah if you got on top of the dugout they would escort you out you'd be arrested or yeah. like, maced or something <laughs> hmm. yeah, little... I, I all the all the drunk guys were just scary to me they weren't fun they weren't dancing mm. like this <laughs> yeah at, at the baseball games yeah there is a question like at w- is homer being paid or is he just being allowed to do it by the team owner like is there how much of an employee is he at this point hmm. but uh but his his drunken dancing which uh it is a very brooks line but i do like it like i felt an intoxication that has nothing to do with alcohol it was the intoxication of being a public spectacle like but too smart for Homer. Too smart for, for sure. Homer. Yeah. And uh, we get one of 10,000 parodies of The Natural. Whenever a baseball is hit in The Simpsons, you hear the theme from The Natural. For sure. <laughs> and I, I just need to watch the movie to get just to have the experience. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen it. I still need to watch it too. Like every time. Definitely. Okay, we make this oath. Before <laughs> we watch the softball episode, we're going to, me and Bob will watch The the Natural. Before we return to the, the softball episode in season three, whenever that is. I make that vow here yes homer dancing around is is all great animation like i love his he dances there's some bits where it feels like i am watching fred flintstone dancing which uh which fits with kirkland's background like kirkland did uh direct on flintstone kids in the 80s so it it does fit wow it's uh i'm just i'm just impressed with flintstone kids (laughs) you know when we interviewed him he wasn't the most proud of his hanna Barbera (laughs) days we he i mean he knew it was like crummy saturday morning stuff but me and bob tried to inform him like hey that was our childhood we as adults do know that flintstone kids is not a good show but Mm -hmm. we watched it all the same talented people worked on it yeah this was something we came up with doing our flintstones episode of uh, the podcast too of just like that simpsons fully replaced flintstones in all ways in in pop culture (laughs) like god (laughs) flintstones are nothing now it's yeah that is a good point it beat every every record the flintstones had Mm -hmm. if you're gonna make a joke about a cartoon family you say the simpsons you'd never say flintstones but Mm -hmm. yeah like i I said on that episode like once the movie with john goodman came out we all just were like we can forget about it now (laughs) that happened and we can forget about it (laughs) yeah it was not like an adams family like revival Mm -hmm. yeah i think the flintstones now are at the point where in the uh just released at the time of this recording animaniacs series there's just a joke about how they're nobodies now and they're just hanging out with like secret squirrel and all these other (laughs) forgotten characters (laughs) 
Uh, but yes, Homer, there's some great animation on Homer's dancing and also some really good, just like, you know, on top of all the crowds and shit that, that Kirkland's team had to animate, they also have to do like, oh yeah, slow motion baseball home run animation. Yeah. Like that's not easy. Like I, I love that Kirkland on the commentary when Levine is going like, you know, it's really nice in animation writing. You can just say anything and they just draw it and Kirkland's like, not so easy for us, you know, <laughs> But yes, Homer uh, wins the game in a way, as, uh, or at least he takes the credit for it in this uh, this next clip. It's going, going, it's gone, it's out of here. Oh my God, the Isotopes win a game. The Isotopes win a game. The Isotopes win a game. Well, that was certainly exciting. Yes. Unfortunately, Homer Simpson's shameless display of exhibitionism tainted the entire evening. I want him banned for life from all company outings. <laughs> footsteps thank you you're too kind glad you enjoyed it but i can't take all the credit the batter did his part too excuse me you sir a dancing fella i'm antoine tex o'hara i own the isotopes would you be interested in becoming our official mascot me uh, a mascot for a bush league team i should have slept on it or at least stared blankly for a while Perhaps if I'd been unable to think of a nickname, all our lives might have been spared. Get on the bus, dancing Homer! Will you shut up? I'm trying to think of a name! <laughs> I, I do like you go to commercial without him coming up with the name. Like, it's just... Yeah. <laughs> I guess at some point somebody told him, like, no, dancing Homer, that's good. We'll go with that. But... <laughs> But yeah, that uh, that is the most distracting post editing to me because on 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 my on my 4K television, seeing a still of Homer zoomed in on as he say as he's reflecting back on it, I'm like, boy, this is this this is some shoddy uh, editing by today's standards. More, it's more convincing if you were watching it like on a broadcast signal with a CRT TV. Oh, sure. It just it would just mm -hmm. smear all of that away. Now you can see like that is a video still you're zooming in on digitally. It's look in my career as an editor who edited people falling on their balls after a skateboard <laughs> accident. This is the type of thing we would do. We would have limited amount of footage and you'd have to flip it. You'd have to zoom in on it. There were a lot of tricks that were very obvious. <laughs> uh, though I, I think too, it's like the, the, the choice by Brooks here is that it needs more pathos. Like this, I think in the, if you take that out, the act break feeling is just like, Whoa, Homer got a job. Like, but instead uh, this adds much more like drama to it of Homer going like, oh, I wish I hadn't have done that. And I it, definitely it's a different emotional context they're going for than I think originally uh, the script was uh, going after. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. uh, oh, Brooks. Tech that's Brooks. Got a, it's all Brooks. Mm hmm. And yes, uh, we talked about Antoine Tex O'Hara based on Anthony Tex Simone, which was a big Syracuse guy. Like the uh, another, another friend of Levi. <laughs> and uh, when Homer does his dance, the man who hits the ball is named Bill McCloskey. These are all people they know. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, they get you, you get you free uh, tickets to life at a baseball game or something. You know, like he. Well, I saw in Levine's 2016 thing. He also talked about how like a minor league team calls themselves the Isotopes now for the last like 50. 
15 years because of this yeah. episode. Oh, we'll talk yeah. about that in uh, uh, Hungry Hungry Homer. Oh, that's yeah, when that's it officially happened. Yeah, so right, I wanted yeah. to save it for that. But okay, yeah. yeah, in this in this in this uh, obituary for Tex Simone, that's like the the fourth paragraph out of like 20. They mentioned that. Wow. So yeah. it was a big deal for him. <laughs> and and it's a real antecedent of rich Texan the character here. Yeah, like it's you can tell Dan's doing his Texas man is his rich Texan voice, but a little little more relaxed. But yeah, that was Act One, and that, <laughs> that was eleven minutes. That was a very long Act One. <laughs> they they are in Capital City for like ninety seconds. It's really, yeah, I uh, I couldn't believe how long that was, but uh, I I've, I thought it was like the long Act Ones didn't start until like the third uh, the uh, the seventh season or something, mm. but. I really like how this uh, second act starts because it's Lisa commenting on something she had no idea where the show would go. Like, our lives have taken an odd turn. Oh, like, yeah. Lisa, you have no idea what's going to uh, happen to you. Yeah, well, I have a quick clip of that. Well, I'm ready to punch in. Oh, hey, cool, man. Our lives have taken an odd turn. <laughs> Did the team ask you to dress like that, Homer? Nope, this was my own bright idea. Come on, we gotta hurry. Don't fill up on those vegetables, kids. Save room for your nachos. All right! No old barge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I feel like that was the writer saying, but this idea is pretty crazy, isn't yeah. it? Let's have somebody admit it's pretty crazy, but it's still within the re- realm of season two realness where this oaf could become a celebrity within the world of minor yeah, league baseball. a local idiot. Totally. I would love a pitch like everyone goes back in time and tells everyone what they're going to do with the characters <laughs> five years from there. Just uh, like, yeah, Homer goes to space. Yeah. Like, Homer oh, goes. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. The, I think uh, in, in the recently released like oral history of the monorail episode, like Jeff Martin remarked about how when they, they knew they had gone too far with having Leonard Nimoy uh, teleport away. And they're just like, I guess this is just the show now. Uh, but uh, but yeah i thought i seeing that line by lisa here i thought it was more of a of a scully years thing of lisa being the viewer at home who says we shouldn't do that or that doesn't make sense for this show but here she's doing it like the the 17th episode of the series and uh and i have a a dancing homer doll that's connected to a theme park i I got it from the universal orlando Oh yeah, yeah. Is I, it how big is that? Um, I got the one that's just a handful size, like I'd say about a six inch guy. You know, okay. I think of the souvenirs there, and I just see lost opportunities. Like that is really cool, and like getting a board license plate is cool. But so much of the merch there is just like things you could find like a Target or something. They should have such. They should have super specific merch for like the most hardcore fans there. Everyone would buy. Oh it. yeah. It drives me nuts. That drives me nuts. And Universal in general doesn't do that. Universal mm. in general like is is leaving money on the table by not catering to super specific fans. Yeah, the D- Disney's a little better at merchandising to the niches of niches and ex- yeah. exploiting them for every dollar. They're not as good about oh, yeah. the TV stuff, but still, if, if you can buy like one Tailspin thing at mm. Disneyland if you want to, or like one Rescue Rangers thing. Right. And they do have at least like online you can there's more usually mm. in that in that realm. But Universal is like they just put out some like retro Universal merch with like the old logo and stuff. And it's like, yeah, more of this. That's what everyone wants. <laughs> I, I will say there's Springfield. I mean, at first when it was just crusty land, like that is kind of lame. Like, well, I don't, I, it's, it was fine. It's fine. The crusty land exterior when they built out Springfield around it, it got a lot better. Uh, and, but I, but when I walk by like 
a poster of like here's ham ahoy that's funny to be on the shelves like you guys should be selling me ham ahoy yeah you know? yes. <laughs> and honestly yes. there should be an adults only moe's yeah it should be yeah. full of dank and serve me beer in a pint glass in a mm-hmm. moe's bar pint glass like the number one thing at least that that they're, they're showing you and not delivering on is that there's the full gabbo puppet mm-hmm. in crusty's like you know celebrity room at the top of the food court area uh, I want that. Yes. Yeah, totally. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, they'd even have something as specific as dancing Homer instead of just a Homer toy. That mm-hmm. uh, that shows me that they, there's the will there. There's the will to really cut cut deep with it. But they they just don't do it as much as they could. I I mean, I wish every I wish every piece of Springfield was as hardcore as that crusty room, that mm. secret crusty room. Right. Yes, that's what we're looking for. I mean, Disney has Simpsons now. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens with there will be Simpsons in a Disney park, I think, within 20 years. Yeah, I wonder what happens with that universal thing. Like who gives like they they can't do it forever, you know. But then again, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that Spider-Man in the Marvel world is like a decade older mm. than the Simpsons stuff. And that's not going anywhere. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's all everything is. I think everything in the next 10 to 20 years, I think, is interesting just from who owns what and what will happen. I I don't have any real predictions. I'm just saying I think stuff will go away in the next 10 to 20 years. Well, I mean, deals worked out. Well, honestly, in the next like two years, who uh-huh. knows what happens in in the theme park world? Every everything closes. <laughs> uh, well, I I'm glad I enjoy that. You know that'll only bring up the 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 asking price of my dancing Homer toy on eBay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, so it's a win for me. This collapse of everything. Hey, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, there's there's then a long. You know, every act has a long musical section, and this one is just a montage of Homer dancing it up. And maybe when they're watching this when it first came back, they're like, well, like this isn't that funny, and that's why they add narration throughout the montage, Mm. where I like the narration there. If there's going to be a narration, it should be there, but you could see how it might not play as well without it. Mm Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah. I I do like the crazy drawing of the guy bringing the VHS camera to the game. Like, he oh, looks yeah. so wacky, that guy. <laughs> I think it's genuinely fun, that shot of Homer and Bart dancing together on yeah. the dugout. It's really sweet. I just like that. Yeah, and, that is nice. And, uh, and also to show you, you know, the context of when they made this, they do a Simpsons t-shirt joke in here. We, this was November after a summer full of 8 million Bart t-shirts being sold. And uh, the two for 24 is a pretty good good deal on a t-shirt the better t-shirt joke is coming <laughs> yes yeah i i'm lucky to pay 24 dollars for one wrestling t-shirt at an event oh yeah well wrestling shirts i mean you could still get your like you can get like a jc penny marvel shirt for ten dollars oh sure wrestling shirts forget it <laughs> i actually just bought a uh a simpsons christmas t-shirt i i'm gonna premiere to bob soon but uh Ooh. for for nine whole dollars on target so It'll be a christmas t-shirt boogie <laughs> <laughs> Is it obscure in any way or no? No, no. It was just like, ah, this is fun to wear on Christmas Day kind of thing. Honestly, it's it's for a video call with my mom on Aww. Christmas Day. That's the that's the real plan for it. Okay, and, well, that's uh, nice. And I have my Young Bucks Christmas sweater as well. I'm going to be Oh, yeah. That that's yeah. for night. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's for the nighttime fun. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But Homer's dancing around and clowning is kind of fun. It does remind me of when... 
Uh, I did get to see the San Diego chicken in my local uh, place uh, a few times at the uh, Suns games in the minor league team. And they, I always liked when they would fuck with the, the visiting teams. I, mm. I especially love the gang that like a visiting team doesn't give a shit about your local mascot. And he's like, Hey, stop this. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> and then, and then Homer had only just this time learned what, uh, where the sun don't shine means. Seems like you should have known. Uh, yeah. <laughs> then we get a, a bit about Baby Elephant Walk, the first time Which, we, we heard it by name. You'll hear a lot of that in this episode. <laughs> hey, they paid Henry Mancini for those song rights. They're going to use it the whole time. And there's a joke about, wouldn't it be funny if people were Jamaican? Well, here yep. it is. Yeah, they are. <laughs> it was 1990. You're just like, yeah. what if a person was Jamaican? That's a sketch. <laughs> Put it yeah, on TV. There's not really much to that, is there? <laughs> no. Yeah, it's like, well... Uh, I guess it's respectful. I like, of I like the organist's. Uh, she's got a lot of hunks on the wall. Oh, I love the hunks. Yeah. yeah, that's that's an extra little. That feels like animator choice, not in the script kind of thing. Of like adds adds extra flavor to her that it's you know it's it's the inverse of the joke of going into the dugout and seeing you know pinups on the wall in this boys club and here it's the 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 lady with her speedo hunks all over the place there's there's like a cocktail on top of the organ too oh that's good and yeah. there's like a clearly a baseball has penetrated that little area because there's like a, a broken part of the window oh i missed that there's that's lots of nice little gag. details in that's the background good. And uh, and that design is they that is the same person as Mrs. Fish, the organist for the uh, the church too. I double checked this the same when in Bart's inner child, Lovejoy says uh, that's all Mrs. Fish, and then he tries to play the entertainer. Same same character design. Uh, the church organist has a has a darker inner life than we do. <laughs> homer has been having fun dancing it up but then the team loses one game that echo on topes lose has been like echoing in my head for the longest time <laughs> topes lose he just seems so crestfallen yeah. but then they just reuse the strikeout animation too from earlier as homer uh thinks he's fired he actually gets a big offer you wanted to see me, Tex? Homer, now we both knew when you began doing this, you weren't going to be here forever. Oh, 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 I get it. You can't fire the players, so you fire the mascot. You make me sick. Homer, I'm not firing you. I just got the word. You've been called up to Capital City. Me? And the majors? That's right. Wait a minute. Capital City has a mascot. The greatest mascot there is, the Capital City Goofball. Yeah, but he's getting on in years, and... He needs someone to fill in for a couple innings a night. Could be a big opportunity for you. I'll say. Why don't you talk it over with your family? Because they might say no. <laughs> I like Homer goes into straight no. telling off his boss thing. I, yeah, I, these episodes I think are really where Dan figures out Homer. Like his, like he might say no. Or like oh, oh, like those moments are when he fully throws away Walter Matthau. I think for the best. Yeah. Right. Yes. And uh, I, I definitely think this is coming to from a place of Hollywood writers who know from experience or from friends who are just like, oh, you got your big break and it didn't come through. The feeling of what an opportunity and just uh, turfing out on the first night. Like, I, uh, oh, yeah. it, it, it definitely becomes more of a Hollywood analog there. It, and then there's like yes. a, a weird scene where we go back to the bar. And again, it's the recycled animation, but I don't understand the point of this scene mm -hmm. where it's just like Homer's mad at Marge. 
but Marge is supportive of him. Yeah, and, but yeah actually, that doesn't. He's blaming her for oh, uh, having he... them chase, take a chance. Okay, yeah. So he is blaming her for being too supportive because yeah. by going for that, it then disappointed I, him. I think it's too clever by half. Yeah. I, I just uh, I, and then it ends with like, oh, bite my tongue, bite my tongue, bite my tongue. Ouch! Yeah. On, on a shot of the bar, like, all right. Are you just yeah. reading stage directions it's, it's now? It's kind of lame, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that struck me a little odd because he like I was like, oh, he's har- being really harsh to Marge. But I think they were like justifying it in their head like, well, Marge was actually being nice and mm. supportive. But it's just it was the whole thing. Yeah, it was like a little odd. Yeah, it's just weird that not to be too. I mean, I, I like the episode, but I don't like this framing stuff. But it's just like, why do we hear Homer talk about what Marge does and then we see what she does? It yeah. seems like how much did they cut to make room for this stuff? Yeah, like it's also like a better to me. It's like a better joke structure. Like, I don't know. It's hard. Like, it just doesn't really line up to make it like, oh, and the re- here's the reveal. Like, it just doesn't flow nicely. Yeah, it, it flows better to go from Homer saying, because they might say no about his family and then going to the family. I, I think that's only shoved in there because they're like, there would have been no other cuts to the bar in this act. So they're worried the audience would forget there's even a framing device for this. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah right yeah this this is the first reference to capital city as well which i didn't get as a joke as a kid my my mom had to explain to me that capital city is a term for the capital city of a state but that their capital city is literally called capital city and they would not actually go there again Uh, homer went there with mindy in season five that's That's where the energy conference was and then the windy apple the windy apple (laughs) and then in season 14's bart versus lisa versus the third grade that's another capital city focus episode i honestly think because al Jean was revisiting this season for the commentary absolutely absolutely yeah there's there, you can really see starting i think really with it with season 12 them watching their own commentaries and thinking about it like i i think in season 14 there's even a joke by crusty that he's watching commentary he's watching old episodes of his stuff to do commentaries <laughs> Also in that episode, the goofball appears in that, but I, I looked up his coloring's all wrong. He's like, he's orange and red and, and with a white shirt. You're not voiced by Tom Poston. Yeah, who wasn't dead yet at that point. But No, uh, <laughs> a few years to live, I think. Yeah. Uh, but yes, we cut to the family. And they're deciding to move the first of many, many, many moves that the Simpsons would do. I can't leave Springfield. I was born here and I thought I would die here. It won't be so bad. You'll die someplace else. Well, what am I supposed to do about friends? You'll make new and better friends. But Dad, we're simple people with simple values. (laughs) Capital City is too big and too complex. Everyone in Springfield knows us and has forgiven us. Homer, I'd be lying if I didn't say that this scares me a little. But we all have a calling, a reason the Almighty put us on this earth, and yours might be to dance on dugouts. You mean? Let's do it, Homer. Yeah, let's blow this pop stand and never look back. Whatever doesn't kill me can only make me stronger. It's not that simple. I've got to convince my supervisor to give me a leave of absence. Sure. What would you like? Four years? Five years. There, there you go. They, yeah. The first time on the show, they explain how Homer can have <laughs> a second job, but not be able to go back to the the power plant. Uh, yeah, along with Lisa saying our lives taken an odd turn. This is another way the writers are building in. Like, we, we can't just leave his job, can he? And yeah. in, in, in like three or four years, they're not going to worry about like how he leaves and comes back. It's just yeah. like he's this now. <laughs> yeah, the logic. They were really worried about uh, logic. 
Mm. No, in season two or even three, they'd still have lines of like, we can't afford this unless we do this. And eventually, eventually the writers were like, do we have to do this scene every time they spend more than they normally can spend? Let's just screw it. Homer has a $700 in his pocket, you know? (laughs) When Bart says, what am I supposed to do about friends? Uh, that was reused in Dog of Death. Okay, when, yeah. When Bart says, like, oh, I'm going to ask everybody in town. And then Homer replies with, like, uh, and I'll be here on the couch. Like, that. That's they reuse that shot for that extra line. And it's it's a strange Lisa line where she's just like, uh, I don't want to leave here. I want to die in Springfield. Yeah, why, why is she so biopic? That's like, uh, it's, it's the opposite of her dr- big dreams. But then later, it's a very yeah. good Lisa line where she's like, well, I don't have any friends, so. Yeah, I'm sorry I, I didn't get that. to know you better. So that that's a that's like a misunderstanding of Lisa and a deep understanding of Lisa, both within a minute of each other. Yes, that's what I earlier I was saying. That Lisa's a little off in some of these, <laughs> and that's like Lisa wouldn't be like so worried about dying in a shit town. Yeah. Uh, what and, about her childhood dreams of Vassar? Yeah. <laughs> right. I also think that Marge becomes less supportive of Homer's 17th new job compared to his first. But uh, mm-hmm. here she's very... I do think, too, as a little kid watching this, in 1992, my family made a big move and I was like, oh, I'm thinking like Bart here. I'm... I... Uh, all the things Bart says about worried about losing all his friends, like, I think I remembered... I remembered that co- in context of me moving as well and i did i did get new friends better perhaps <laughs> i i don't want to can't review my my friends in in atlanta to my friends in florida okay i would i did not want to do change anything about mm-hmm. my life i would have been terrified i had a friend move away and i was very sad but then i got mcdonald's <laughs> see mm, it's easy when you're good. not doing the moving you just like well also when you're a ch- kid and like if you don't see another friend for a year it's like well then you're you're gone you like, never existed yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. also this is right after treehouse of horror where lisa also has a speech about how simple the simpsons are like that seemed that seemed like a light runner they were doing with her uh, and then, uh, also the supervisor thing it reminds me at the end of this season in blood feud we find out that carl is homer's supervisor oh, so right. he got another supervisor after this that guy was fired for wanting to give homer five years off yeah actually right. <laughs> that's what how does that at work anyway oh wow yeah then we i also forgot there's a scene of them selling off all of their stuff on their front lawn so it's like well what this is a huge move like i i think too it's like this is irresponsible of the capital city baseball team like they should have said let's bring you up for a tryout and if it goes then you'll move then you here. like sign a contract also i noticed in this scene it must have been so nice in the in the early 90s when you had the device of dot 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 not as a joke where yeah. it's like that could just be a joke in my thing just like yeah <laughs> not uh i it, it honestly even in 1990 that feels beneath the simpsons to do a not joke it does feel like you know they give you got to give a they had to get like a payout like when conan left the tonight show or something like you know yeah. for cancel for egg you know you get the person to uproot the whole thing and move yeah they i mean maybe they paid for his move back and forth let's say let's say the capital city baseball team did that at least there, there was like this is me looking too much into the show but that's my job <laughs> but there was like a weird shot of like a marge saying goodbye to patty and selma and they're in front of their empty house with an open door and i'm like are patty and selma living there now or like oh, guarding yeah, the place maybe that's a good point <laughs> maybe they're like well we haven't sold it yet you you just take care of the place until we lay down on the bare floors <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, why would Patty and Selma want to live in the same place Homer lived? They'd never, they'd never do that. They could smell him in every room. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, we get some quick scenes of everybody saying goodbye. Bart says goodbye to Millhouse by becoming Spit Brothers, which I, I like to think of this scene as the moment that solidified Millhouse as Bart's best friend. Mm. They had to write a scene of like, Bart says goodbye to his best friend. Who would that be? Okay, it's Millhouse. I can see that, yeah. yeah. Richard and Lewis left in the but dust. they previously bonded over Butterfingers. That's too- yeah, he he was the first friend Bart had, so it does make sense it would be him. And then we get a like elongated Pride of the Yankees parody here. Uh, very funny, 1990. Uh, I find this kind of tedious now, but everyone has done this parody by now. Oh, yeah. I think I only got it when other shows did it. And like, oh, this... This show is parodying that whatever that thing was that The Simpsons did it on. Like I'd, because I'd never seen Pride of the Yankees. Like maybe Turner Classic Movies would play it at some point in the '90s, but I'd never seen it. Yeah, this is just yeah, this is one of those where it's like you've seen it a bunch, and I probably I'm sure I saw it for the first time here. Yeah, I still have not seen Pride of the Yankees. <laughs> and they intentionally make that Flash guy look like Babe Ruth, so the Babe Ruth style guy can embrace Homer. Right, right. At, when he yeah. ends his speech. Well, let's hear the full Homer as Lou Gehrig speech here. Well, we have one quick stop, and then it's on to Capital City. I can't believe it. My baby sister in the big city. I'll call you every day. I'll call you too. Look, he can use a horn. Oh, shut up! Some may say that I have been given a bad break in life. Little education, bald as a cue ball. Ten years on the same job for the same salary. But today, as I leave for Capital City, I consider myself the luckiest mascot on the face of the earth. With the fickle fans already forgetting me, I was ready to take the biggest step of my life. I think that probably plays better without his voiceover. Just Homer waving and then he falls. But I I think they're like, no, we need more voiceover to goose this. That's that's my yeah. feeling. It, it's an odd act break. And Fickle Fans is too smart for Homer again. It's just like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I also, I included Patty and Selma in that clip because I did like that they're being played kind of real. Like, they're actually, like, sad their sister is leaving town and they're not going to see her all the time. Yeah, they, they love Marge, even though they're very bossy. Yeah, I... Mm-hmm. I feel like at a certain, uh, in a couple of years, they forget that Patty and Selma even like Mars. Like they, <laughs> they're just so, yeah, they become very cold. Mm-hmm. They're they're just negative monsters in all ways. Mm-hmm. And then Act Three opens with the first like written song for The Simpsons. Yes, by Jeff Martin. It's his first song. I I actually pulled up our 2019 interview with him where he mentioned that this was a big moment for him in the writers' room. Yeah, and he was very tickled by his own line. People stop and scream hello. Yeah. Like it's just a very psychotic thing to do. Uh, it's so great. Yeah. So he he said he found a niche for himself really early in his, he was a new writer hired for season two and uh, fresh off of letterman and he's another another harvard uh, lampoon grad like most of the writers but uh but yeah he said he found his niche as the songwriter on the show because they're like we need a new york new york parody he said he went home 
recorded the demo for it, played it in the at the writer's room, and he said, like, Sam Simon said, that's a home run. And, like, Jeff Martin says, that's one of the, like, gr- favorite moments of his career, just being praised like that when you take such a big swing with this song. It's not as obviously funny as some of his later songs would be, but there's a lot of subtlety to the lyrics. Oh, God, yeah. The, the lyrics are so... I didn't get them as a kid. It's only when you listen to them more, like, especially the... Uh, makes you feel like some nutty cuckoo super king that's my favorite because it's such a great joke about bad songwriting that the guy says like it makes you feel like a king but you have to continue on with the metaphor (laughs) from king you're like well what's bigger than a king a nutty cuckoo super king yeah yeah That's also a perfect Tony Bennett line. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and listen, Tony Bennett is 94 years old. This oh. episode goes live in like four months, so we we can't control the, the hands of fate. Uh, I guess to be safe, I should play our anti-death jingle. <laughs> I didn't know he was so old. Yeah, he's quite, quite old, yeah. So he was yeah, 60. He was just singing the other day. I saw him on Twitter. Really? Oh, wow. that's nice. So he was 64 yeah. doing this. Wow. And he claims this gave him a resurgence in his career, being on a young, hip show like this. Thanks. I do remember in the 90s, he started appearing in a lot of stuff. Like, I think he even had, like, uh, an Unplugged or something. Something like Unplugged. Not actually MTV Unplugged, but... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I hope he had an Unplugged on MTV. <laughs> There it is, Capital City! Look, the Crosstown Bridge! Wow! There's a swinging town I know called Capital City. Penny People stop and scream hello in Capital City! Kids, look! Street crime. It's the kind of place that makes a bum feel like a king. Wow, that service. And it makes a king feel like some nutty cuckoo super king. Look, it's Tony Bennett. Hey, good to see you. It's against the law to frown in Capital City. You're okay for like a stupid clown when you chance to see... Fourth Street and D. Fourth Street and D, yeah. Once you get a whiff of it, you'll never want to roam. The Duff Brewery. Capital City, yeah. Capital City, the capital city. It's Capital City, my home sweet swinging home. I remember the comedy or the on the commentary too they mentioned like this was the first time they had to draw a guest star in Simpson style and they were just making up the rules as they go like we've been thinking about that a lot because uh well recently you know friends of the show well, I'll say Nick Weiger has been on our show and mm-hmm. he just appeared uh, in caricature on the Simpsons yes. and, and same with your and also your other friend uh, Mike Mitchell appeared too that's correct yes I just this just happened I guess it's 
possible they could have toys, but they would probably needed <laughs> to have lines, so they didn't have any lines. But they were still Simpsonified. Yeah, I, and it made me think about like how much you know. That's thirty years after this episode aired. How much has changed in how they've de- they've made so many new rules and traditions of how to draw a real person in Simpson style. But they're right. they're just figuring it out for Tony Bennett here. And Mitch and Weiger are both in their early sixties, so. <laughs> In 30 years, that'll be about Tony Bennett's age. Yeah. Uh, they're, uh, I, I, I would be lying if I said I wasn't jealous seeing them in there. But, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, but it'll, They it'll purposely snubbed every Simpsons podcast. Yeah, what, what the hell? They could have at least done our, our pals, Julia and, and Allie, at the very least. Yeah, they're, they're, I guess, I don't know. Maybe they're saving all of you for something else. <laughs> An <Yeah>. epic takedown. <laughs> yes, yes, it's a, it's a diss, some sort of diss. We find out we were all drawn in a dunk tank, and it's... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, one of the funniest jokes in this montage was Homer going street crime. Oh yeah, and just they're yeah. just all watching a woman get mugged, and it's exciting uh, for the family. I, I did I did enjoy that. Sadly, uh, that actually happened in real life with me in my first uh, one of the first time my family visited me in the big. And this is not a big Berkeley, California is not a big city, but it is bigger than a suburb. And one of their first times visiting me, they saw street crime out the window, and they're like, "Oh, this is." This is where you walk every day, huh? And then just a uh, a rowdy young man came up and kicked an old lady right in the like nuts. And oh my god, yeah, it was it was pretty awful to see. But uh, uh, bad. I love that drawing of Homer after he says street crime. Like it's such a weird. <laughs> it's it's a bad. It's technically a bad drawing of Homer, and I laugh at it. It, every it made time. me laugh. And there's uh, like everything about Capital City is like everything's very mediocre, but these simple people are amazed by it. Like the Crosstown Bridge <laughs> oh, yeah. and Fourth Street and D, and they're staring in awe at the Army Reserve statue. <laughs> and uh, apparently Ken Levine and David Isaacs met in the Army Reserve, so mm. that's where this comes from. This is really propaganda. Oh. Then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a banner or a billboard for Bancroft's English muffins. Oh yeah, that's in the Times Square shot. It's really weird because yeah. they definitely drew like bad English person teeth on that drawing, but it's it's so it's a weird one. Yeah. It's really weird. I'm not even quite sure what it is. Like she's got like maybe a Kaiser helmet on. I th- oh yeah, you're I think I was just staring at the teeth. I feel like the teeth are meant to be drawn in the in the bad mm-hmm. way they draw British teeth in Simpsons, but Yeah. So uh, I I like too they bring up ooh the penny loafer. Like they bring up uh, which I had assume is a brown derby yeah, reference. I was going to yeah. say it's got to be the brown derby. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I only that was uh how impressed I was the first time I went to Universal Orlando as a kid. Like the brown derby, wow, it's a it's a may it's a facsimile of this thing in hollywood i'm in the mm-hmm. big city and then and, and they then... have they have a brown derby at uh disney too in florida oh okay oh they got their own at mgm man mm-hmm. that's, uh, <laughs> that must have been replaced with the star wars thing by this point right i think it's still there really man well Pretty sure it'll become baby yoda's mm. or the child's uh brown derby real <laughs> yeah, soon it'll, yeah Aww. the child's hat the child's hat you, you know what like uh fourth street and d is a uh intersection on the fox lot we should have went there we should have found fourth oh, street and d man mm-hmm. you're right yeah yeah the one time we went on that fox lot now we'll never they'll never have another table read again we'll never have another no, chance. you know it's, it's over seems pretty easy to sneak onto that lot actually yeah it was pretty simple it's easy 
but yeah, once the song is over, there are like less than three minutes left of the story. And I really, I really wish there was more time in Capital City. It, it seems like really odd that Homer only gets one try and he fails just because for some reason it, they're full of these aristocrats. It's the, not the stadium. Yeah. It's really not properly communicated. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> I was shocked. I am uh, watching this again. I haven't watched this for a few years and I was like, I, my memory was they were in Capital City ha- like half the episode. Yeah, me too. And it just been five years and it, it just, uh, I wish there was more or they would have played up the upper crustness more of these people in the audience, yeah. like monocles would be flying off. But for some reason, the goofball who we'll meet soon, his antics are much more sophisticated than Homer's. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, oh yeah, there was a bootleg t-shirt joke too in the, yeah. in the scene. I bootleg like Bootleg t-shirt yeah. emporium. But I, I think in general, you know, the late Sam Simon, let me just say, I think he made a mistake with, with pitching out this episode, especially it spends what could have been a special thing of like the episode where the Simpsons move or the episode where they go to the big city. They just use it up in the baseball episode. It, it kind of is wasteful of story ideas that they would revisit in other episodes and it made it feel just slightly less special because they kind of already did it in season two, you know? Yeah, and half of this very short third act is them driving through the city. Yeah, yeah. It's. I feel like uh, it's one of those things, maybe it was, again, like these big name writers, they have this idea and so they go with it. But I think it is, It's. they talk about it on The Way We Was, that there we did all these things as a first with homer and marge like we could have done these we could have spread this out Mm. over many more episodes i will i will say also i want to say at least like maybe 90 seconds to two minutes of this episode are eaten up by reused animation uh oh yeah yeah. so i really want to know like what was cut out Mm mm-hmm that might explain the pacing issue and why the first act is 11 minutes long. Yeah. That that wasn't on the DVD? You know, not no. in season two. They didn't. I think actually they didn't start saving their deleted scenes like to use later until season six or seven. Well, I think, I think four is the first one. Oh, on the DVDs? Yeah. yeah, yeah like yeah. until they got the film Roman, I think that's when they started saving or had access to them. Klasky Chupo just chucks them like, oh, you, you delete, I throw away. <laughs> uh uh but yeah homer i also think it's why is this major league organization setting them up in a motel like that i thought they were moving yeah (laughs) right right it literally Uh, feels like a script like when i was trying to write a script for the first time and it would be like i just gotta finish this i gotta and it's like okay yeah they're in a motel and then homer gets fired it it really feels like a the end is so thrown away uh and also it feel again homer says another very brooksy line of like uh, we talk about it for years marge fell asleep before I, for the first time ever marge fell asleep before i did like that's uh it's just too uh reflective of homer for sure uh but i guess it's that is the joke uh, i don't think it's a sex thing that homer falls asleep first i think more it's just he's never he's usually too stupid to be restless with thought yeah perhaps. yeah <laughs> They drop off Homer at the game. They're going to see him after when he's a big star. And that's when we meet the Capital City Goofball. Oh, you know what? I have to play the death jingle before it, actually. Just to, with, here's the death jingle for our dead guest star here. Death stalks you at every turn. Ah, there it is, death. So yeah, Tom Post and died in 2007 at age 85. Mm. A very long and storied history in television and movies. People in 1990 would know him best for just coming off of the eight-season Newhart series, mm. playing the character George Utley. He's so funny in that role. I 
1990 even it was a rite of passage to have him guest star on your tv show okay if you look at his imdb he was like a one or two episode guest star on literally 100 shows over 50 years like from 1950 to 2005 he would just be like oh and we got tom poston for this like one offline or this one one episode character and this uh, character is based on a doodle by the writer Ken Levine, although based on uh, freakish mascots like the Philadelphia Fanatic. Yeah, the Philly Fanatic. Yeah. And Fanatic. I, I had no idea like the echo or, or like the wave that character had because like in my neck of the woods in Cleveland, near Cleveland, uh, we have the Cleveland Indians, of course, but you can't have a Native American man dancing around. That's racist. <laughs> so you have Slider, uh, another freakish mutant, a what's it, if you will. That, that guy just is the fanatic. He is, they yeah. Just, they just rip off the fanatic and made him purple. That's like Gritty is also just, he's mm-hmm. he's the fanatic if you chop the nose off. Yeah. Like, and the, that's that 7-Eleven mascot it looks, it reminds me of the oh, fanatic. Oh, God. That too. hideous, the yeah. mascot who's made out of all the junk food you can buy at 7-Eleven. But I honestly think right. like that like the, he is like these things are mascots for teams that just are based on concepts or racist things because like <laughs> for a long time they'd be like ah oh, the indian isn't racist it's a proud tribute to the heritage of native american people but it's like your mascot is tacitly admitting this is a racist idea because yes, right. otherwise you would just use the mascot and the logo mm-hmm. as your mascot chief wahoo not, that's not his name on the thing. yes mm-hmm. yeah for the philly fanatic they are left in a you know alerts there it's like well what like uh, what is a philly like is it going to be a horseman like they can't they can't really do that so they've uh, getting a green monster to dance around that's just fun what was the cubs i mean it must have been a bear right mike yeah cub as a cubby this is embarrassing i really should know this they didn't really have him like running around though Mm. clark his name is clark no 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 this is from 2014 they announced clark wow (laughs) yeah i they they really didn't have a mascot running around when I went to the games. I, I will say when I go to a when I started going to like the Giants games and I'd see Lou Seal, I knew that he was a relatively new invention. And for me, it was for some reason, I don't feel uh, I am more annoyed by a mascot doing the exact same things if they didn't exist when I was a child. If huh. they did exist when I was a child, I kind of grandfather him in. I'm like, oh, that's San Diego chicken having fun. Isn't that great? But but if they're a right. new invention, I'm like, what, what are they trying to sell me here with his Lou Seal? This is being. Be Yes. <laughs> found a picture of the 1908 just now the mascot which is terrifying and huh. I've, I've sent it to you henry oh, okay. so it's like every old halloween costume basically <laughs> mm-hmm. i want to oh, see this ah! oh god <laughs> oh my lord <laughs> that's like that living rat man in the in the city of new york these days i think they just taxed, yes, exactly they taxidermied a, cor- a corpse <laughs> and just shoved a man in oh, there god. that's <laughs> yep. horrifying but like the the joke here which i don't think is that effective is that like this crazy looking character has a very low-key voice coming out of it mm. I, I like it you someone had to explain that to me before i kind of got it but yeah. I, I don't I, maybe he needed to be even more low-key in this i mean tom posted he's playing in pretty low-key yeah but yeah i i i like that he's played like he's the he's the old veteran who's like t- showing the kid the rope this would be the scene in like any biopic of a musician of like it was my first day on the big stage and these you're getting shown around by the veteran like it's it's nice but uh and there are two little easter eggs in the scene when yeah. they're panning across the locker room so we see princess cashmere in a locker and like a play dude pinup and then once we get to homer and the f- uh, not the fanatic uh the goofball we 
we see someone has Homer's Homer's Night Out picture that's of him great. in cashmere. Oh, yeah. I didn't notice that. That's I, cool. I love the viral photo made it to that. I, I only caught it on my, my third watch for this. But, but I, I think, too, I never noticed it until then because the goofball just draws your eye. You're just staring at yeah. him the whole time. It's a, it's a really fun design. It is so evocative of these weird mutant mascots. <laughs> I love his... The extra bit I like is he has baseball pants. Like yeah. that's Or baseball underwear, I guess. Or mm-hmm. or just his torso is a baseball and that, and that he has furry legs sticking out of it. It's one of those two things. Uh, but yes, here's, here's the clip with the old goofball. Okay, here are your tickets. They're supposed to be good. You're sitting with the players' wives. And don't forget to cheer for me. I'll see you after the game when you're a big star. Bart was strangely quiet. Later he explained he was confused by feelings of respect for me. It wouldn't last. Wow. Oh my God, I don't believe it. It's really you, the Capital City Goofball. Hello, Dancing Homer. Glad to have you aboard. If there's anything I can do for you, just squeeze the wheeze. The fifth inning will be yours. Everyone is settled in, had a couple of beers, the game is official. It's a pretty important inning. Wow, the fifth. It's also the inning I wish I had a zipper on the front of this thing, if you know what I mean. <laughs> right, Mr. Goofball. Hey, call me plain old goof. So, what exactly do you have planned for us? Well, I get up, I dance, I spell out the name of the city, all to the tune of Baby Elephant Walk. Ah, Mancini, the mascot's best friend. Well, see you on that field. I'll set him up, you knock him down. You know, another thing hit me with this, uh, I, maybe it's a an intentional weirdness to it, but if the f- goofball is getting old, another person can wear that costume and do the act. There's, <laughs> That's there's true. no need for a new person to come in and do it. It's like he owns the character, maybe, and he uh, won't allow anyone to do it. Uh, you know, also, I think uh, maybe the goofball is setting up Homer to fail on mm. this night because he's he's acting all friendly to him, but actually Homer is out to get him, and so he's trying to make him And he's fail. like, yeah, Baby Elephant Walk, that's a good one for this crowd. Yeah, yeah, maybe, you know. I that's think- another unexplored avenue. I also, yes, I also thought that, and I was like, well, they didn't do any... <laughs> They didn't explore it at all. Well, because, yeah, the way they reject him, it just, it's so lightly dealt with. It's just like, and it's it's over. Like, he's failed. Yeah. Like, that's it. Like, yeah. I, I also do like just his eyes. You're just staring at the eyes inside of the mouth the whole time and wondering, mm-hmm. like, who is inside of this thing? The uh, Yeah, the joke when he comes back in that season 14 episode is that the goofball spent $80 million <laughs> yeah. to buy his way into the city council in Capital City. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, there's also hearing that towel snapping and all the footsteps, like the sound design is still, uh, aggressive yeah. in these early seasons. Lots of loud footsteps, lots of background noise. Can be kind of distracting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It sounded fine on a phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Dave Glass is oh, the name of the broadcaster, another friend of Levine's. We get Dave Glass and Dave Rosenfield. <laughs> uh, he's, I, I hope those guys at least send him like a Christmas card or something as a thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then there's another, like, after all of the crowd shots they've had to do, like, when Homer spells out the town, they have to, in the second act, they have to zoom in on the same crowd shot, like, eight 
times. Uh, after all the crowd shots they have to do, they then have to do like the joke is it is a gigantic, gigantic crowd of people. Yeah, there's a fun story on the commentary where you can see like how Gracie Films and Klasky Chupa weren't getting along. And Gracie Films found out that a layout artist worked for two days on that crowd and they got ma- very angry saying, don't do that again. Mm-hmm. But then when it came back in full color animation, they're like, every crowd should look like this. <laughs> so they wanted good results, but they didn't want to pay for it. Yeah. I like Kirkland putting that in his back pocket. He's like, you know, now that we're all in the microphone, I'm going to tell you. But he says it in the nicest way because he's a sweet man. He is a very sweet. He's one of the <laughs> nicest guys we've ever interviewed. I do want to say that. I mean, you look at that shot. It's like, yeah, there's there was the same story on the uh, Faith Off episode in season 11 that like somebody got in trouble because it took too long to draw a very complicated scene. And it just, it sounds like in some cases, there's just this like quota thing, like no matter what you're asked to draw, it's expected to be in a certain amount of time, but it's, that's, yeah. that's not how it works with animation. I think they would eventually learn more about the process mm-hmm. after their Klasky Chupo problems were over. <laughs> and uh, that's where they're in the, in the most to the front row in the shot. That's where the wind fields are. Yeah. The, uh, Look for them in the lower right, uh, <laughs> arranging some sort of uh, like foursome, I guess. I guess so. They're, they're at least pitching it, I think. Oh yeah, I see this. That is weird. <laughs> they're both uh, in on it with this young couple. Honestly, I'm, <laughs> I'm shocked there's not more little jokes brought in there. I, I wonder, you know, there's definitely also a feeling you hear from graining and other people like that looks like an artist's family or whatever is drawn into the background i i think they're still discouraged from adding too many jokes but oh man there's on treehouse there was a story of how how mad the producers got when they thought a joke got added in but it turned out to be a writer who who submitted the joke Mm-hmm. Yeah, this also, you know, watching this episode made me want to eat a hot dog at a baseball stadium. Mm-hmm. I really, I really miss it. You know, I could make a hot dog at home, but it doesn't taste the same. Homer's right. Yeah, no, that that silver foil. Mm-hmm. Oh God! And now the the steaminess of those buns coming out of that uh, that that I'm sure very sanitary place they're stored <laughs> in. Oh yeah, very sanitary. <laughs> well, I mean, you get a Chicago style hot dog at those at those uh, Cubs games. There's going to be like at least four whole tomatoes on that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, a giant pickle, hopefully. A whole, full pickle. Maybe this was the first time I saw a joke about divorce as well on the show, in this ex-wife section gag. I, I have a quick clip of it. Mm, let's see. Upper, upper, upper mezzanine. Hmm. Nancy's must be ours. These seats stink. I think the players' wives would be a little closer to the action. Actually, this section is for the players' ex-wives. And then I found out that all the while there was this bimbo in Kansas City. Throw it his head! Uh-huh. <laughs> Clearly Bart. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Nancy doesn't play too many adult women on the show after this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this also, I mean, this is true about ba- baseball players have lots of ex-wives, though. So do comedy professionals. So yeah, I, that's I'm, true. <laughs> I'm thinking there's uh, something pulled out of that. They're all living in glass houses on The Simpsons. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, though, honestly, if I was, a, I guess these have to be very bitter ex-wives to keep showing up to baseball games and such bad seats. Maybe, maybe stop going, move on with your life. You know, I mean, bef- before Facebook, that's where you have to gossip with the other wives. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so Homer, it's time for his big performance. There's there's some really fun drawings and uh, of Homer while he's waiting. Like there's a fight on the 
mound there's uh, a guy catches it right next to homer you get to see some of the goofballs antics like there's some really good visual stuff in there but uh when it's homer's big moment it doesn't come together who just taught it a free ticket to a big league park but i was too tense to enjoy the game Every ounce of concentration I possessed was focused on the task at hand. Red Hots, get your Red Hots here. Ooh, Red Hots. Ladies and gentlemen, Capital City's newest sensation, dancing Homer. Hmm, you do taste better at the ballpark. Uh-oh. There he is. I was graceful. I was witty. Brother, I was something. But they didn't care. What is with these people? Why are they sitting on their hands? Mom, what you doing wrong? It was so quiet you could hear each individual smart-ass remark. Oh, this guy doesn't make me want to cheer. Gee, I really pity him, making a fool of himself in front of so many people. These cornball antics may play in the sticks, but this is <laughs> Capital City. The only applause I got was for dragging my carcass out of there. I, I kind of don't understand this plot twist, but I guess in a way, it's just like, well, Homer is playing to a much larger crowd, mm-hmm. and that only really works if you have a bright, goofy costume to accentuate yeah. your movements. I could see that. That makes more sense than just this urbane crowd is too smart for Homer. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It feels it feels a little bit about like, uh, you know, this the artiste in the big city kind of thing. Like, yeah. I feel like if they had more time, they should have played it up a little more, like or exaggerated it to yeah. be like, they, <laughs> why are any of these people at a baseball game? you know yeah there's a there's a guy i'm looking i'm scrolling through now on my phone there's a guy who has like kind of like an ascot type thing it's like it's not they don't fully commit like if the joke is like that capital city is so like upper crust it's like shouldn't they're they're not eating hot dogs they're eating something like they're eating caviar so like they don't go fully all the way with like oh it's a this is not the type of baseball game you would expect it to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like every character is not like dressed like the Monopoly man or anything. <laughs> it's like, it's like 1990 instead of buying the 72 ounce beers, they could have having like little cappuccinos, you know, yes. and those little mugs. Right. That could be a joke. Like, yeah. That's like, that's obviously like a weird joke for a baseball stadium in a major city, but like, all right, it's funny. It's a silly. <laughs> it's like, they don't go, they don't go one way that hard. Yeah, I don't think they figured out a good enough reason for Homer to flop. They knew Homer has to flop because they're not going to live in Capital City in the next episode. But yeah, I I think it could work better. Just explain like this is where they need voiceover for Homer to explain it more. Because if you take away the voiceover, it's just everybody's being silent. Lisa and Bart don't understand why. And you just have the smart ass remarks to go on. Like Homer can at least contextualize it a little better, but mm-hmm. it doesn't wh- help that the one like uh, sophisticated guy has like just one tooth. That yeah, is right, weird. Right. weird. Yeah. Like, these cornball antics. <laughs> it's like, you're like a one tooth hick. I know yeah. he's, he kind of looks like the Eddie Fitzgerald looking guy. In oh, a few you're episodes, right. But a little different, but yeah, the, that's, I think that makes it 10 times more distracting that it's like this line should be said by, it should be by a fancy upper crust guy not a dude in like a polo shirt who has Mm -hmm. glasses uh and that it is sad how homer is taken like walked off by goofball like that's some fun (laughs) sad drawing there but uh i mean it could be too homer just missed his cue like he was like five seconds off and just by being five seconds off like you blew it it's over like i sure 
I mean, also this thing not going over, it does, if I, if I may talk up another podcast, the ride one I really hmm. enjoyed was the, the mighty ducks first game, uh, episode you guys did. Uh, I love that one there. Oh yeah. Yeah. There was, they're not talking about wild wing. No, no. The, the other, the guy who, the dancing Homer of that night was someone <laughs> else. Yeah. I mean, that is the real life dancing Homer. There was this guy that was going to base, he was basically like painted blue. Like he was like Iceman or something and he had a guitar and the audience hated him <laughs> and he like it was really like he cried in his car afterward oh, it's so sad oh, poor bastard <laughs> we should have seen but, like he was going to be he worked at disneyland and he was going to be like the guy to <laughs> pump up the audience oh so sad uh, and they turned they turned yeah he was going to be for the pair he was for the dads to to rock out with and have fun <laughs> right they were gonna feel comfortable with his masculinity uh, but that shows you yeah if you don't you it is so much harder for those guys if you don't have a giant mascot like cartoonish outfit on top of that if you can see the face and the eyes of the person the connection is harder at those type of things that's it's, why clowns yeah. wear makeup because they're meant to be seen from far away which is why everyone is afraid of clowns mm. That's right. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're on it. I never thought of that. Uh, I I also, I do like that Homer, part of him being destroyed is that he doesn't put on clothes. He's just sitting with his ass hanging out in a jock strap for a while. It's a great shot of him behind the frosted glass. Hard to do in animation, like pre-digital. Oh, God, yeah. Another, another great job. You know, there, Mac Raining is ragging on this art the entire episode. He should have at least complimented that to be like, wow, you guys drew that great. Like, the blobby blue version of Homer and that you can still see like his ass cheeks uh -huh. in the drawing like that's great that's that is great art if I could have a sell yes. from this episode I'd want that one they should sell this at Universal yes <laughs> yeah a Homer Simpson jockstrap just oh man <laughs> sure yeah uh but yes Homer has been let go and uh we then get the very tacked on happy ending here I'm sorry young man you're just not ready Pick up your check at the front office, and for God's sake, put some clothes on. Well, I guess it's back to good old Springfield. But I can't go back. Not after I've seen the bright lights of Capital City. I'll wither and die like a hothouse flower. Now stop it, you two, and don't look too down. I'm sure this is hard enough for your father. All right, Yay! you have a good way to go, man. All right, yeah. Oh, what a family. My wife and kids stood by me. On the way home, I realized how little that helped. So, that's it. The costume's buried now. As my son would say, I'm one sad, ape-like dude. Wow! What a saga! Hey, you guys are hanging out my every word. i become the center of attention. Yeah, it's riveting. Tell it again, Homer. Okay. I wonder why stories of degradation and humiliation make you more popular. I don't know. They just do. This is weak. It's, it's weird. It's really weak. I really want to know because the, the episode was always going to end in the bar, but even this scene, the lip flaps don't match the dialogue. So I'm wondering, yeah. like, was was this, this couldn't have been the ending, like Homer is cheered up. Like, what was happening in this final scene? Yeah, a crowd does start to form around him. Like, that's there in the animation, including, yeah. like, Richard Sakai. They just draw him in. But, uh, yeah, what would have Homer have said in the original version to get people to give a damn about him? Like, Maybe it was a more bleak ending and they added this slightly uplifting ending 
something Maybe. to give Homer some victory. Mm-hmm. I wish yeah. they, I wish they play more with it. Well, how much Marge sacrificed for this? Like she, her telling the kids to not show how sad they are because Homer feels worse. Like that, that's an extra layer of emotionality you don't expect. And I, I can't help but identify with Lisa in this, where she's just almost got to be a big city kid, and now you're taking this away from me, and I have to. Now that I've tasted what the big city feels like, I now have to go back to suburbia. Like it, it makes suburbia ten times worse than it was before. Mm-hmm. Maybe that makes that maybe that's character development for Lisa. This is a turning. Maybe you can explain away Lisa has growth as a character because she got to taste the big city life. That's why she's more cynical from this episode onward. Right. <laughs> One night in a capital city motel room changed her life. <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, exactly. And that is such a Brooksy turn of Homer saying, like, I, I, only later I realized how little that mattered. It's just like that. Homer would not be that clever. It's like, a great uh, line, but does oh, yeah. not belong to Homer. I thought that was the best line of the narration. Yeah. No, it's. But it does shit all over the efforts of the entire family and makes it about, well, Homer feels bad now. Yeah. Yeah. It did. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it it could have been played so much differently. I think the I mean I I at least Homer saying he buried it in the backyard explains well why doesn't he just go back to work with the isotopes? Is that he the failure is dancing Homer broke his heart so much he couldn't go back to. I mean I guess to after you get the big Lou Gehrig send off how can you come back like two months later like hey I'm back dancing Homer's here. I think ultimately <laughs> I would like to read the table read script for this episode. It's got to be somewhere. Somebody has to yeah. have one of these or someone scanned it i really want to know i couldn't find it before this episode but maybe in the future we could track it down just like what was this episode Mm. before it was uh you know uh tinkered with yeah so tinker with i but i at least on the credits they play you uninterrupted the full yeah. minute of uh capital city which is pretty nice i i mm-hmm. i mean if you get a brand new song sung by tony bennett like play play it play it twice yeah i mean maybe again i I'm, i want a remastered version i want a recut version of everything <laughs> let's redo this episode let's do a godfather coda version <laughs> of this episode that's the true version Fully remastered from the negatives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this uh, returning to this one, it was fun to reflect on like childhood baseball memories and all that. But I, I now look at it too much with like a producer's eye of just like, why did you waste the concept of the family moves <laughs> to the big city in for like two minutes in the baseball episode? Just have have the goofball come to town and and reject Homer. Do some like there's there's other ways around it that mean they don't have to go to Capital City for an episode episode yeah i i watched it and i was i was like oh good i haven't seen this in a while i will say i was a little bit disappointed mm. well they weren't packing it with jokes as much as they'd be even by the end of this season like they yeah i mean and and sometimes i go back to the old ones and i go oh, there's not as many jokes but i go oh i had this story like you know like lisa's teacher or something i go oh this is a really sweet episode mm. but i was like this one is you know funny i'm not trying to say it sucks or anything yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, interesting episode. Again, uh, we want to see the original cut. But Mike, uh, please let us know where we can find you online. And please tell everybody out there about uh, Podcast the Ride. We love it. You guys have been doing great throughout this very, very long quarantine. So many great episodes. Uh, so many episodes, too. Yes, thank you. Uh, it does. I Somebody just told us we were about to hit 200, which I'm sure you guys are blown past that, right? Uh, yes. We're probably closing in on 300 Simpsons at this point. I think we yeah, just did the yeah, 250th wow. episode, right? We recorded yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, as of this wow. recording. Yes, yeah. 
So I think, yeah, we're hitting almost 200. So yeah, it's crazy. Um, but podcast ride at Twitter, if you want to hear about theme parks and then theme park adjacent things as well, mm. you know, like uh, shopping malls that have a roller coaster in it, <laughs> stores that sell can like novelty candy uh and then like mascot stuff certainly like anything with a character you know we just did a barney episode because there was there is a barney thing at universal studios but it was a pretty good excuse to just talk about like barney and his the last character introduced riff <laughs> a saxophone playing oh. orange dinosaur who says like hi hey everybody <laughs> and i've really enjoyed your looks at movies like fuzzbucket and billy toppet oh, oh billy yes Toppet, billy yeah. toppet the lance burton self-produced film that looks like a student like a college <laughs> student film made by like one of the most successful magicians of all time and uh, and also i love the ivan ooze one as far that, as yeah. like the, the 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 weird side quests i love that one <laughs> now, now ivan ooze is a real stretch but we like doing that now we're just doing the chris farley show but yeah. uh because you guys did father of the pride at the beginning of quarantine we never have to talk about it you it's guys true, talked about yeah. the entire series you never have oh to touch my it. god that is one of the worst days of quarantine for <laughs> sure i i love listeners should just pick that one up because you can hear it you guys record it over the course of one full day and mm -hmm. just checking back in with you as you as your minds degrade with each episode <laughs> yes and then we made deals with each other at the last batch of episodes too that i didn't have to watch one episode instead i had to watch an interview with peter fonda on a charlie rose about <laughs> yuli's gold <laughs> and uh, scott had to like listen to a long bob dylan song <laughs> yuli's gold filmed in my uh in my jacksonville area neighborhood I, that's oh, wow I, I remember that film actually kind of well <laughs> uh at the movie theater i worked at in 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 florida there was a signed yuli's gold poster like in an office there your brush with hollywood <laughs> <laughs> i think is his name yuli jackson I think so. Yeah, I believe. I, I believe it is. <laughs> I think it's the only movie that the Home Improvement Mom is in. Also, I think. Mm, right. Uh, yeah, Yuli Jackson. How about it? <laughs> Some last minute trivia for all of our listeners out there. <laughs> yeah, enjoy. Uh, uh, but thank you so much, yes, Mike. It's, thank it you, Mike. So awesome to have you back. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, yeah. So yeah, at Podcast Ride, wherever your podcasts are. So thank you so much to Mike Carlson for being on the show. Be sure to check out Podcast The Ride. We love it. And as for us, if you want to check out more of our stuff and get all these episodes one week ahead of time and ad free and a bunch of other stuff, go to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Sign up for five bucks a month. You'll get just that and also access to everything behind the $5 paywall. That includes everything we made to date for the past three and a half years you'll get access to immediately. That includes all of our limited miniseries like Talking Critic, Talking of the Hill, Talking Futurama, Talking Mission Hill. And coming up very shortly in the spring of 2021, we'll have a new miniseries and another one in the fall of 2021. And we mentioned some of our interviews in this episode. You can hear those on the Patreon as well at the $5 level. And there's also a $10 level at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Sign up for that. You get all the $5 stuff, but also access to one mega long podcast once a month only for patrons of that level or higher. Yeah, Bob's talking about our What a Cartoon Movie podcast. If you enjoy us talking about The Simpsons or on our sister podcast, What a Cartoon, in this kind of deep detail, we do it for an animated feature film once a month in the same way. Often for over four hours, we talk about films as diverse as The End of Evangelion, Wallace and Gromit, Curse of the Were-Rabbit, and... 
a goofy movie just to name a few you got to sign up to hear them all over 120 hours i bet at this point we have recorded of what a cartoon movie podcast all at your disposal in addition to all the five dollar stuff bob just mentioned for ten dollars a month at patreon.com slash talking simpsons and that also includes the video version of our deleted scenes commentary that we have done for many of the seasons and we just did one for season 11 that i think you really enjoy if you want to see homer's butt you uh in a different way than you've seen before watch our deleted scenes commentary so as for me i've been one of your hosts bob Mackey. you can find me on twitter as bob servo my other podcast by the way is retronauts that's a classic gaming podcast all about old video games you can find that wherever you find podcasts or go to patreon.com slash retronauts and sign up there for two bonus episodes every month again that is patreon.com slash retronauts henry how about you i'm henry gilbert follow me on twitter at h-e-n-e-r-e-y-g and if you're following me on twitter also follow at talk simpsons pod the official twitter account of this podcast and his sister podcast if you want to stay up to date whenever new stuff comes out either on our patreon or on the free feeds and polls and any other cool news going on in our neck of the woods follow at talk simpsons pod to stay in the loop thank you so much for joining us folks we'll see you next week for our community podcast talk to the audience and we will see you then there's a swinging town i know called capital city People stop and scream hello in Capital City. It's the kind of place that makes a bum feel like a king. And it makes a king feel like some nutty cuckoo super king. It's against the law to frown in capital city you caper like a stupid clown when you chance to see fourth street md yeah once you get a whiff of it you'll never want to roam from capital city my home sweet swinging home